Welcome to another installment of the Bat Around, coming to you live from the Press Box Studios here on a beautiful Saturday morning here in Baltimore. It's been raining the last couple of days. It was pouring down rain on my way home from work last night, but today it is beautifully sunny. Supposed to get into the 80s, and we're going to see temperatures in the 90s uh, by tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday. So it's starting to get to that summer-type weather just in time for Memorial Day. But hello, I'm Paul, he's Zach, and we are the hosts co-host and producer of The Bataround, which is brought to you today by the Baltimore Police Department. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages, not just competitive wages, the best wages starting out in the state and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. That's bpdrecruit.org. Man, 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 what a game last night. What a freaking game. Unfortunately, if you don't have Apple TV, you weren't able to watch it last night. But And, and, and I know that the games are for free, but they still make you log in. Yes. yes. They still make you log in. So if you don't have Apple TV, um, I guess you could come up with... I think you have to start like a free trial in order, in order uh, to do that. I did not have to do that because I don't actually pay for it. I just have the app and I just pulled it up. Um, oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it doesn't work the same way for everyone, but I was able to just pull it up for free. You do have to log in, I believe, but I don't believe anybody has to pay for it, which is a... Uh, and I'm going to talk for, about that for, a little later on. For now. For now. For now. You're right. Um, simply because we, we say for now because I'm sure at some point you're going to have to have a subscription. To watch, yeah, to watch yeah. the games on there. Which Glenn and I discussed yesterday. I'm paying $5 per month, which, you know, Apple TV has some other stuff, like Ted Lasso, obviously, but people like Glenn, Glenn said this yesterday, people like him uh, buy Apple TV Plus for the $5 and then watch Ted Lasso and then cancel it because there's not a whole else, a lot else on there, really. And for me personally, I'm not paying $5 per month to watch the three baseball games that are on on Friday nights. That's just me. But if it's free, that's a way better business model, and I'll, I'll get well, to why I well, like the broadcast so much a little later on. Well, right. I'll tell you that the uh, the picture was crystal clear. Yes, on, yes. On that bro- I was watching it on my phone at the restaurant, right. and the picture was crystal clear. So that was cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess I wouldn't mind paying 5 bucks a month just for the other programming that they have on. It's, yeah. only, it's only 5 bucks. Sure. You know what I mean? But the fact that you have to pay for cable to have Masson to be able to stream Masson, mm-hmm. and then you're doing all that, and then you still have to pay another thing to be able to watch your team on a, right. on, on a right. given day. I, I, don't, I don't like the exclusivity. Yeah. If your team has a regional sports network, there shouldn't mm-hmm. be exclusivity to that. I mean, do you have Amazon Prime, for example? We do. Right, and I feel like most people do, but Thursday Night Football for the NFL is going to be on Amazon Prime exclusively this year, which is, mm-hmm. for me, a little bit, and that's the same way with Apple TV. It's like if you're if you're having to pay for something and you need the subscription, and the only way to watch it is if you have one, I think that's a, a definitely more annoying business model than it is well, for, to be able for everyone to watch the it. The thing with Amazon Prime, though, is that you're getting so much more bang for your buck. You are. Because by having an Amazon Prime account, you also get like free shipping yeah, and next-day yeah. delivery and stuff like that. Um, so they, they give you perks and everybody 
just about everybody has Amazon at this point. Right, I, I agree. You, yeah. you know, so that, that that's a little bit, but I see what you're saying, mm-hmm. and, and I don't disagree with you. I, I, exclusivity on something that not everybody needs, like everybody basically needs Amazon, right? Like if you want to get Christmas presents, if you want to get stuff at a, at a decent price instead of having to go out to the store, and we know what the madhouse is around the holidays when you're trying to go out shopping sure. and all that. Uh, Amazon Prime is becoming more of a necessity. Apple TV is not a necessity. No, right. You know, I right. don't need to watch Morning Glory. I don't need <laughs> to watch Ted Lasso, although right. I, do, I do enjoy Ted Lasso very much. But, yeah, whatever. I don't. I don't mind paying for it, but I do mind that they make it, my my team. If I want to watch them and they're on Apple TV, I mind that if I don't have Apple TV, I have to subscribe. But right. I think the biggest thing is that, and Glenn and I said this yesterday that it should be on Masson and it should be on Nesson as well. I think that's the overarching yes. uh, takeaway from this. Like the, the people in the markets of Baltimore and uh, Boston who are you know these teams playing these games, I think they should also have access outside of Apple TV. But that's mm-hmm. just. You know, just a takeaway from last night. No, I, I agree. I agree. Now, the game itself. I turned on the. T- I, I I looked at the score sometime during my shift. In the fourth inning, Anthony Santander just homered, but the Orioles were down six nothing going into the top of the fourth inning. Yes, uh, Bradish was not good. No, yesterday. Um, and then for that matter, Bo Salser wasn't very good either. Um. Santander hits the two-run homer, makes it, instead of being 6 nothing, it's 6-2. The Orioles immediately give a run back, and then they give another run back in the sixth inning, in the, in the fifth inning, and it's now 8-2, to two, and they go into the seventh inning down 8-2. Next thing you know, I'm telling you, it was maybe, it felt like two minutes between when I saw the end of the, of the sixth inning and Jorge Mateo's three-run homer in the top of the seventh inning. Paul, real quick, I, I, we're hearing that there's no sound on Facebook. That's where we're getting comments. So I'm not entirely sure why. Um, everything should be in uh, you're order gonna, you're here. Gonna, it's not. I can. There's no uh, sound coming up. Um, well, the desktop audio one should be here at zero, but negative 9.9 no, is no, the no. correct the, the, number the, for the, the bottom sound bar, the, it should be registering sound, and it's not. So you, ah, need, you need to hit end stream, and we need to restart the video. Okay. We'll uh, we're going to stay with you live on... Um, Live on MixLR, but he is going to restart this video and hopefully... Hopefully it does what it needs to do. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's go back live here. If it doesn't, you're, you're going to have to exit out of... Yeah. Out I'm, of I'm not entirely sure what the issue is here. because it, hap- it happened before on Glenn Clark Radio. We still have nothing. So you're going to have to exit exit okay. out of Streamlabs altogether and just restart Streamlabs. Okay. We'll do that. Um, which should... I mean, it's not, not too big of a deal. If you're listening to us on audio, we are still here. If you're waiting for us on Facebook, you can't hear me, but um, go ahead and restart it. Working on it. Working yeah. on it. Um, it. But we are working on that as we speak. That should have solved the issue because when that happened a few weeks back on Glenn Clark Radio, exiting out of Streamlabs and then restarting okay. Streamlabs worked. So we're going to wait to do our baseball talk until this thing gets up and running, which I think we should be good to go here in just a matter of moments. Yeah, that's, the, a, that's odd. Haven't had that error happen before. I don't know. Let's see if it uh, starts registering, which I don't know if it is. Do I have to move this bar at all, Paul? Do you know how? No, 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 no. Um, okay. Hang on one, hang on one second. Okay. Not switching spots. Thought we were. Okay. So... 
we're trying to get this figured out. Not entirely sure what the issue is here with our, our system going on, but we're going to try to get this figured out. Um, in the meantime, we did want to talk a little bit about what happened last night in the game. Um, oh, not yet? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Um, but we're still, like I said, trying to get this figured out on Facebook. Not entirely sure what the issue is here. Um, the sound is not registering for us. So hopefully we can get this figured out in a matter of moments. You want the mic here, Paul? Anything? <laughs> still trying to, to see what our issue is here. Hopefully, we can get this figured out. If not, we're still live on MixLR, so anybody who wants to tune in, that is a, a spot to tune in when we eventually come back and talk baseball for you guys. All right, so we do. I, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna start talking a little bit about what happened last night because we do have, like I said, these issues on Facebook at the moment. But we're still live on MixLR, so go over there and catch us if you haven't yet. But uh, last night, Jorge Mateo finally looks like he's turning the corner, maybe a little bit. Three run home run, last 28 at bats. He was two for 28 with 12 Ks. Um, he's really been struggling. This is a guy that we pinned as someone who could be a potential piece on this team at some point down the road. Um, this is a guy that really showed out. And we know he's, he's a five-tool player who basically does everything well. And when you've got a guy like that, um, you want to see what you've got in him. And I think the Orioles have given Jorge Mateo a, a good run, and they've given him what uh, they've given him certainly a chance to play every day. And so far, the, the results haven't exactly shown, and they haven't exactly been where you want them to be. Um, but it, as far as what he did last night, he certainly looked a little bit better. All right. Uh, do me a favor, Zach. Mute your mic and call Glenn and see what we can do. And I'll, I'll, I'll keep it going for he from here. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to sit there and say that Jorge Mateo is a five-tool player because, I honestly, I haven't seen the hit tool be... be uh, worth mentioning. And look, players go through slumps, right? They go through slumps. Uh, Zach mentioned two for his last 28 before last night's game uh, with 12 strikeouts. And even still, even after the home run last night, he's still just three for his last 32. Um, this is a thing where, again, guys go through slumps, but when we haven't really seen him take off in general, um, you get a little bit worried. Now, look, they don't have anybody else ready to play shortstop at the major league level in their system. Gunnar Henderson's having a nice year at double-A buoy, but he's not a guy who's – he's not even he, – he may be ready for triple-A at this point, but he's certainly not ready to, to make the jump to the big leagues. And uh, Jorge Mateo is – there's nobody really pushing him for that job. And maybe last night's home run will get him turned around and get things going for him again. Um, hopefully it does. But again, he wasn't setting the world on fire with his bat before that. I think that his, the high for his batting average was in the 240s before this. So hopefully he'll get the bat going. But as for the rest of the game, that three-run homer made it 8-5. to five. Then you go to the eighth inning, and Austin Hayes pimps the hell out of a two-run homer, gets them to 8-7. They get a couple more runners on base uh, on a roof netto door base hit. Um, and then an infield single by... An infield single by um, by Ramon Arias and an overthrow, 
and or and or, and Ruth Neto Door ends up scoring from second base to tie the game game eight eight. This is stuff that we're usually used to seeing from the Orioles rather than from the Red Sox, where the errors allow. And we saw it earlier this year again with Ramon Arias on a on a ground ball or a, I believe it was a bunt. Uh, the pitcher get, picks the ball up and throws it into left field to let Mateo score the game winning run and a walk off error victory uh, for the Orioles over the Red Sox just a few weeks back. So we're seeing more errors from the Red Sox to allow the Orioles tie the game. Then they get to the ninth inning, and Cedric Mullins leads off with a base hit. He On a stolen base attempt, Mancini gets a base hit to left field, and Cedric Mullins makes it all the way to third base. He ends up scoring on an Anthony Santander base hit, and then the wheels come off for the Red Sox. They end up giving up four runs there in the ninth inning, three runs in the seventh, three runs in the eighth, four runs in the ninth, and the Orioles end up making it a 12-8 victory, down 6-0 in 8-2 at different points in the game. One of the best victories of the season, a great comeback for the team, and we've seen some epic comebacks by the Orioles against the Red Sox in the past. If you recall back in, I believe it was 2010, 2009 or 2010, they were playing the Red Sox. John Smoltz started the game, and the Orioles were down 9-0. They came back and won that game 10-9. So this isn't the first time, it's the first time in a while. And it just goes to show this team never gives up. This team is always fighting. They always believe that they are in these games. And sure enough, they were in it last night. Even when they weren't, they come back and win a hard-fought battle. Now, the issue that I have for today, I love the fact that Grayson Rodriguez went out there last night and absolutely shoved in AAA. Seven innings pitch, a career high. Two hits. No walks, no runs, 10 strikeouts. Second consecutive game with double-digit strikeouts for Grayson Rodriguez. Love that. What I didn't love was that he made the start at all. Because he was the only one in the minor league system that was deserving of making a start for the Orioles in one of the games today in today's doubleheader. Now you're looking at Danny Reyes or Cody Sedlock. And... Neither one of those guys are lighting the world on fire at the minor league level. You look at a guy like Cody Sedlock, and I believe his ERA at this point in the season is above six at the minor league level, um, which leaves much to be desired. This is a former first-round pick. His ERA right now, he's 2-1 with a 5.83 ERA in 29 in the third innings pitch, a 1.47 whip. Now, you like the 35 strikeouts in 29 in the third innings, but his career minor league stats, just 17 and 19 in 96 games with a 4.48 ERA and a 1.44 whip. Uh, and the thing about Cody Sedlock, what has he really done to deserve being thrust into this role for the Orioles today? And then Denny Reyes, I know that he just came over here on a waiver claim uh, not that long ago. But what has Denny Reyes really done? I mean, if, if he wouldn't have been let go by another team. And the, the fact of the matter is, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at uh, Cody Sedlock's numbers right now. He hasn't had a sub 4-6 ERA since 2019, and that was in high A and double A. And then he gets to trip, double A, triple A, and look, 4 5 5, five eight, three. Uh, the what has Cody Sedlock done to deserve the call-up for, for this game? What has Denny Reyes done to deserve the call-up for this game? It should have been Grayson Rodriguez. And I understand. I understand that with Grayson Rodriguez, you want to debut him at home, right? You want, to make, you want him to get that debut at home. And as Glenn would say, these games don't matter because it's not like the Orioles are going to the playoffs, so why would you waste his debut on the road? Well, they, the games matter to people. 
The games matter to me. They matter to Zach. They matter to you all listening out there. You wouldn't be listening if these games didn't matter. Grayson Rodriguez is the most deserving person in the minor leagues to make a start today. And he's not. Is he going to debut at home on Wednesday against the Mariners? The guy has nothing left to prove at the minor league level. He has nothing left to prove. So I, I get wanting to debut him at home, and I was actually talking with somebody on Twitter today, yesterday and today, who also agreed that he should have started, that he should be starting today. Um, however, he said it might be likely that he gets his start at home against the Cubs on June 7th because it gives him then an opportunity to start three of his first four games at home, and his one road game is against the Kansas City Royals, which makes a lot of sense to me. It does. That makes a lot of sense to me. But what else do we need to see from Grayson Rodriguez? Can he go through a lot of three times? Check. Can he get into the seventh inning? Check. Uh, can he shut down AAA competition? Check, 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 check. He's got nothing left to prove. Mm-hmm. It's time for this guy to be here. They, I, I really thought, I really believed that they sh- I didn't think they would, but I believe that they should skip his start last night and have him start today. Yeah, that's that's the funny part about the Orioles. There's a lot of things that we believe they should do. That we're, they, we're back up on Facebook. We are right? back live. Yes, one of the uh, one of the USBs was plugged into this computer that needed to be plugged in over there. So we figured it out oh, essentially. Gotcha, that gotcha. was the issue. Um, but yeah, it, there's a lot of things that we we think the Orioles should do that they don't do because they're an organization that probably takes things a little bit slower and more carefully than a, a majority of the other organizations out there. And Grayson Rodriguez is just another one of those examples. He's a guy who really has nothing left to prove. I mean, he's done everything. He's dominated everywhere he's been. You look up and down at his minor league numbers, they're certainly not Cody Sedlock's, where they've been shaky basically everywhere. I mean, Grayson Rodriguez has dominated in every single level and every single aspect of everything. Grayson Rodriguez has been the most dominant pitcher in minor league baseball for years. And, you know, he's 22 years old. And I think that's the one thing that kind of holds me back from saying, he needs to make the start in Fenway tonight because I don't think so. I I actually would rather give him another start in AAA and then bring him up like June seventh. I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I'd rather bring him up at home. I think he's going to feel more comfortable and bring him up in a place in Camden Yards where, frankly, not that many balls are getting hit out of the ballpark at the moment, and it's becoming a, a decently easy place to pitch. So I you know I'm I'm not overwhelmed or excited with the the promotion of Cody Sedlock I mean that which hasn't actually happened yet but it's it's imminent of course I'm not excited by Cody Sedlock but oh well I guess I, former, I don't former I, first round pick yeah, in it, what was it 2016 16, yeah. 2016 he should he should have been here by now as a first round right, pick right he's just not very good <laughs> and, and well and he he had some arm issues mm-hmm. after he got yeah. drafted and he just never got back to the same form that right. made him a first round draft pick and now you look at him, and it's what's his ceiling? Uh, a a a middle a middle reliever, if that, if if that. Yeah, I I mean I see him more as kind of a four A guy, um, right? Someone who you know comes up, makes your spot start here and there. I'm not sure he'll ever lock down a role in a major league bullpen, especially with the way the Orioles have been pitching. I'm not sure he fits in uh, with the the rest of the crowd as far as the Orioles bullpen goes. I'm not sure Cody Sedlock would fit in there. Right. Well, y- you never know. It, it, sure, he, you never he, know. He's got to come up and perform. And we've seen guys who we thought maybe didn't have a future, like Keegan Aiken, yep. and like Jorge Lopez, and they come in here this year and they're absolutely lights out of the bullpen and two of the best relievers in the. American League. So it remains to be seen with Cody Sedlock. I guess my overall point is you fall behind really early last night, six to nothing, mm-hmm. right? You have this miraculous comeback. Today, now look, generally you probably spit, spit. 
split doubleheaders anyway. It's yeah. rare that you and the Orioles haven't swept a doubleheader. I think since like 2015. It's been a really long time since the Orioles last swept a doubleheader. But the thing about it is, actually, I think it was 2013 when they swept the Dodgers of all teams in a doubleheader. I was at the second game of that. But anyway, I digress. Um, you're basically giving a game away mm-hmm. with, by starting one of these guys. Yeah, in, in yeah. my opinion, because you you used all of that oomph last night to come back and win that ball game, and we've seen it before. The Orioles, when they score a ton of runs, they generally are shut down on offense the next day. That's been the the trend, yeah. Right. So uh, a season high for runs last night. You're starting a guy in one of the games today where he doesn't, and hopefully, hopefully he's starting the first game. So, uh, Jordan Lyles is just announced as the game one starter. As the game one starter at twelve oh five today. Yes. Um, and then which, it, they which, do have listed uh, as Cody Sedlock in the bullpen for now. Co- Cody Sedlock in the bullpen. That's what now? that's what Rakubako just tweeted. Yeah. Okay. So you look at that. If the Orioles don't win game one, you're basically giving the Red Sox yeah. a, a doubleheader sweep. Because you can't expect to go out there and win a game with one of these guys who were who were struggling at AAA. Right. You know, it, it takes me back to 2018 and 2019 when they traded Jonathan Scope for Luis Ortiz mm-hmm. from the Brewers organization, and he was once a, t- a top, highly thought of prospect. Yeah. He was terrible in the minor leagues in 18 and in 19, and yet he kept getting called up for spot starts. I guess they wanted to see what they had, but that was 2019. That was a, 2018 and 2019. That's 115 and 108 lost team. Right. We believe that the Orioles are a much better team this year than they were that year. I don't want to see guys get starts that don't deserve to get the starts. I don't disagree at all. I don't know where uh, Denny Reyes has really earned a start because, it, like you said, the numbers haven't been phenomenal for him and certainly not for Sedlock. I mean, we, we talked about Sedlock's numbers earlier, but the guy's got a 5.83 ERA in mm-hmm. in. Norfolk, and we've talked about it a million times on the show, but the the gap between AAA and Major League Baseball is only growing, only growing bigger. And I think that you're bringing guys up like this who are significantly worse pitchers than the rest of the crowd as far as the Orioles go. I mean, Cody Sedlock and Denny Reyes are significantly worse pitchers than what the Orioles have because they have pretty good pitching for for the most part. At, at, you know, I guess contrary to what you would have thought coming into the season. There's some guys that are a lot better than you would have expected. I mean, CNL Perez is an incredible example of a guy who went from a 6 ERA last year to a 1 ERA this year. So right. there's certainly a lot of improvement. Sub one. Right, and and I'm not saying that's going to happen for Cody Sedlock. Maybe Chris Holt can help him out in some scenarios, but you you do have to think that, you know, Chris Holt's been here, what, what three years? Uh, as two years. Yesterday, yesterday, well, two years his, as, yesterday was, his first, was his first year as the Orioles pitching coach, and they're, they're, they're pitching director for the entire system. But he was in 2020, I believe, still with the organization. He's been a, with the organization yeah. for, for more than a few years, so and, th- and they, they made him pitching coach because they were going to lose him otherwise. Right. But. So, I mean, after three years of being in the organization, if he was going to help Cody Sedlock and, and make him a better pitcher, you would have thought it would have happened already. Right. Hopefully. But well, maybe... You get, to the, you get to the big league level, and you have more hands-on coaching, mm-hmm. and we've seen people... Like, like I look back at Manny Machado, and again, when he got called up, he wasn't lighting the world on no. fire. At Double A, and then he came up to to the majors, and he was a significantly better player at the majors because you get the big league coaching, right? And you, you get yeah. into a big league regimen. Um, does that mean I think that Cody Sedlock's suddenly going to become uh, a stellar reliever? I don't. I don't. I, I don't know. But I'd be, be if I was a betting man, I'd bet against it. 
for this game. And what, what what are we looking at here? Is Keegan Aiken, he just threw a couple of innings the other night. Yeah. Is he ready to throw a few more innings today? Do we, I don't know about all that. Is it going to be Sedlock and then Reyes? Is it going to be Reyes and then Sedlock? Uh, they they could have called on Michael Bauman to throw a few innings today, but he just pitched two innings two days ago. Um, yeah, I don't know also if he's at his 10-day, because once he gets sent you, down, it, that, that That doesn't matter when oh, you're, when, when you're, you're right, playing you're a right, doubleheader. Right, right. Um, so th- there, there's a number of guys that they could, that they could have used, and they went with these two guys. And <laughs> it's it's uh, it's disheartening a little well, bit. And it's if this was last year or the year before, the year before, it wouldn't be as disheartening because it's kind of what you expect. The Orioles have shown great signs of life this year, and signs of being a far more competitive team than they have been yeah. in, in quite some time. Yeah. And you want to keep the good mojo going. You want to keep the juices flowing. And now you're not. You're basically throwing a, a wrench in those spokes because you're saying we're okay with giving a, a game away. Well, if you don't win the first game, yeah, then you're really giving two games away. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, you're especially. I mean, Jordan Lyles should give them a fine start, but the the Boston you, you, bats have been so hot as right. Of late. And and Lyles has been pitching really well recently. Yeah. He's due for a dud. That is the the general pattern with Jordan Lyles. He'll give mm-hmm. you a couple great starts. He'll give you a bad one. That's what he did for Texas last year. And so far for the Orioles, that's been somewhat the same pattern. And you're I, right. He, it's probably due for, for a bad I start here. I do love his mentality, though. Right. I mean, save uh, the uh, bullpen. You but, know, but, but, the, he, he's, <laughs> like, he's like, I'm going out there for the boys. Right, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 yeah. Gi- I, I'm giving you another inning because I'm the one who's going to get this done for you. That dude can pitch for me any day of the week. Mm-hmm. I, I'm cool with Jordan Lyles pitching for me any day of the week, and for all I know, he'll go out there and give him six and the third innings of a three-run ball today. But if he doesn't, and then you have this game coming up after that, this bullpen game, you're in trouble. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Um, you, but then, you, again, they'd say, well, why does it matter? They're not going to the playoffs this year. Why does it matter? Yeah, I mean, and, and that's, I, I think, the argument a lot of people have made um, is that, you know, you're not bringing up Grayson Rodriguez because you're not trying to maximize wins. I mean, Glenn's point yesterday he made to me was that if this was a playoff race and the Orioles were trying to win, then of course they would bring up. You know, if, if this was August, September, of course Grayson Rodriguez would be the guy in Boston tonight. But they don't need to maximize wins at the moment. I, I'm kind of in the middle there. I don't really side with one. I mean, I, I still think winning is important even when you're, you're in the situation the Orioles are right now right and for me yeah they're not going to win 85 90 games this year but maybe they could win 75 games this year and if you win 75 games this year maybe it expedites your process a little bit maybe they say you know what we weren't really going to go make a big splash in free agency this coming offseason maybe the offseason after this one but we might only be a player or two away from really getting into the thick of things here with what we have on our roster currently maybe having a 75 to 80 win season this year gets you to that point where you're spending a little bit earlier than you otherwise would have, and that's why it matters to me. People talk about, oh, I think the Orioles will make the playoffs in 2025. That's still three years away. That, that, that's, that's still three years away, and we're looking at a situation where that's a seven- or eight-year rebuild. And who wants that? Who wants that? But, look... Uh, we're going to see what happens. For all we know, Lyles will go out there and throw a two-hitter, and then Sedlock will come in and give him, give him three scoreless innings. The bullpen <laughs> will take over, and the Orioles sweep a doubleheader. I'm not, I'm not betting on it, but we will see. Just want to remind you, today's show is brought to you by uh, the Live Casino and Hotel in uh, Hanover, Maryland. The best place to be for the playoffs and all the big upcoming events is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, Maryland. Bet on every sport with 61 self-service kiosks open 24-7, and watch all the action from the best seat in the 
house. There are some absolutely huge events happening this weekend, including the NBA and the NHL playoffs, the Champions League final this afternoon, the Gervonta Davis Rolando Romero fight tonight, and the Indianapolis 500 tomorrow. Reserve your spot in the FanDuel Sportsbook for all of these events right now by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. That's events at sportssocialmd.com. On the line with us right now, he's uh, getting through it. He's battling an illness right now. He is Stan the Fan, Charles. He's live with us today on the Batteron. Good morning, Stan. How are you feeling this morning? A uh, little rough, guys. A little rough. Little, little rough. Well, hopefully that, uh, that Orioles victory last night made you feel a little bit better. What a comeback, Stan. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. It was a pretty amazing game in the uh, annals of uh, Oriole history, and uh, just a really uh, significant win, no question about it. Yeah, the Orioles were their season high for runs before last night was nine, and then they scored ten runs in the seventh and seventh, eighth, and ninth innings combined last night. Bullpen really locked it down after Bradish faltered. The offense pounded out twelve runs on fifteen hits, including three home runs, three big home runs. What did you see from this team last night, Stan? Does this team just give you the sense of resiliency where you never feel like they're out of a game? Uh, I wouldn't say I feel like they're never out of a game, but uh, certainly last night when it was eight to two, I didn't think that uh, they were in that ball game, and they, uh, you know, just put on a shocking display in the late innings against uh, Boston's bullpen. Yeah, and now they have a. Uh... Unfortunately, they had to use their bullpen rather early last night. Uh, the Orioles did because Bradish got knocked out after the, in, in the second inning. Who's, and the, now, who's starting today? Is Zimmerman starting today? Jordan Lyles in game one. Oh, and then, that's right. Lyles. Okay. And Double header, right. Either Denny Reyes or Cody Sedlock in game two. And that leads me to my next point, Stan. Grayson Rodriguez went out there after his 11 strikeout performance this past Sunday. He goes out last night and gives... Arguably his best performance of his minor league career. Seven innings pitched, two hits, no runs, no walks, 10 strikeouts, 88 pitches, 68 strikes. I was on the boat of, I didn't want him to start last night because I wanted him to start for the Orioles in uh, game two tonight. Orioles aren't on that timeline. The Orioles are looking to debut him probably in the next couple of weeks at home uh, to get a little bit of that home cooking going for him. Uh, do you anticipate his first start coming over the next two weeks? And do you have the same issue that I have where there's nobody more deserving and I'm tired of seeing them call up guys who shouldn't be at the big league level just to fill a, a spot? Um, I'm, I'm really not all that, you know, I'm not concerned on that too much on the day-to-day. And uh, I, I think the issue that they have is when, when he comes up, they they'd like to sort of use him straight through to the end mm-hmm. of the season. And I think they, they feel that if they bring him up too soon, they won't be able to kind of control his innings as, quite as closely as, as they are right now. Well, yeah. And you know what? That, that is a fair point because this is a guy who didn't pitch in 2020 because of the, of the pandemic uh, yep. limited innings last year. I think he, he threw about a hundred innings last year. They're not going to just ramp him up to 200 innings this year. It's going to be one of those right. things where they want to slow play. So that does make perfect sense. And I've been talking with uh, Daniel Victor on Twitter, and he was saying that he thinks that it would be much more logical for the Orioles to debut him on the 7th at home against the Cubs, uh, and then they go on the road to face the Royals, and then he comes home and faces a couple of uh, other 
not great teams at home. So three of his first four starts would be at home and one on the road against the lowly Royals. Do you think that that timeline makes more sense if they're planning to start him on June 7th? Uh, again, I'm I'm not following it quite as closely as you are, uh, Paul. I'm I'm just not. I'm you know. So I I don't know what day they'll start him against what team they'll start him. You know, uh, Mike Elias is is making those decisions, and he seems to have. While it seems slow to a lot of us, uh, he seems to have some type of logic to to what he's doing. Yeah, I, and you know what, Stan, to that point, I, I tend not to question Elias too much. I did question him simply with the the, the way that they rolled out Adley Rutschman without really marketing to it too much. But he clearly has a plan and clearly doesn't care what other people think. It's gonna, he's going to go based on what he thinks and when he thinks that these players are ready and what he and based on how much he can maximize efficiency for the Orioles. So I totally understand that. Now, speaking of Adley Rutschman, he debuted last Saturday, had a triple in his first game for his first major league hit to join Manny Machado and Matt Wieters as top prospects to triple for their first major league hits for the Orioles. Only batting 200 with a 259 on base percentage right now, but what have you seen from him, Stan? How does he look behind the plate to you, and uh, do you like what you're seeing from him? Um, I, I like what I'm seeing. You know, I, I was a little disappointed last night in that at bat with Xander Bogarts. Um, I mean, I'm not myopically watching him, how he's catching. Mm-hmm. But uh, Bradish was ahead of Bogarts, uh, oh and t- uh, one and two. Mm-hmm. And the 2-2 pitch, he put the glove way up, you know, and, and Bradish threw a high fastball, and, and Bogarts wasn't biting. And I said, you know, yeah, you just really shouldn't be fooling around like that with Bogarts. Go after him on that one-two pitch when you're ahead of him, throw something like devastating that he, you know, that he can't lay off of. And sure enough, threw another ball, went to three and two, and then he gave up a three-run homer. Right. Uh, and I, and I thought that I did not like the sequence at all. Uh, and I was a little disappointed in, uh, Rutschman's attempt to sort of, get Bogarts to go for a high fastball. Do you think that that's something... I thought, that... it was a total, I thought it was a total waste pitch, you know. Yeah, and, and I, I totally understand that. Do you think that maybe it's still that adjustment of, you know what, in AAA, these guys chase that pitch, whereas in the majors, these guys probably take that pitch, and that's just something that's a bit of a learning curve for Rutschman, something that he'll figure out along the way. Uh, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he'll figure it out. But uh, I I expected him to be a little higher level of of kind of his intuition would be a little uh, a little raised higher uh, by now, you know. Yeah, no, I I. I... Don't disagree with you there. And uh, one thing I can tell you, Stan, is if I if I know anything about Adley Rutschman, if you're aware of that, he's aware of that, and he's probably going to do something to make to make amends for that. Uh, almost hit a home run last night. It would have been his fly out to right field in his third at bat would have been a home run in three ballparks in baseball, but not in Fenway. Um, but mm-hmm. the, maybe the battle start to get going here sooner rather than later. Like we said, batting just 200 with a 259 on base percentage. But he is leading the major leagues in pitches seen per bat, albeit in a small sample size. How important is that considering the fact that his bat hasn't really gotten going yet? 
I love the fact that uh, he he basically is in no hurry to swing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like a guy like that. You know, do you think that maybe his swing is a little long and looping? It seems like he has his big uppercut swing, and he's having a hard time getting to the high fastball. He's swinging right through it because he, to me, he's. It seems like he's got that launch angle swing, and he's just not getting on top of it. Um, like you would expect him to. Do you think that that's something that maybe he needs to work on, or something that will get better as time? I'm sure. I'm sure he'll get better at it. I'm sure he'll get better. He's a real student. He's a student of the game. There's no question about it. Absolutely. Now, Stan. Last week we were talking about Jorge Mateo and how he's uh, really thrusting himself into a role for this Orioles team now and in the future. And then right after that conversation, he goes into this huge two for 28 slump. Now last night he did hit the three run Homer, uh, but he is still just three for his last 32 with about 14 strikeouts. Are you concerned with Jorge Mateo's slump or considering the fact that he's never really gotten his back going for an extended period at the big league level, or is it just another slump? Uh, I'm not, that concerned about Mateo, you know, uh, uh, to me, the, the biggest thing I've noticed with Mateo the last two, three weeks is such an improvement defensively. Right. Um, his offense doesn't, doesn't concern me that much. You know, he's a pretty dynamic player and he's going to have, he's going to be pretty streaky, I think. But, uh, uh, again, I've just really liked the way he's nailed down the job at shortstop right now. Yeah, no, I, I, the the defense has certainly gotten better. We remember the three errors he made against the Yankees in that, um, in that Thursday game, the, the night of the NFL draft. Uh, but the defense has been really, really stupendous, in my opinion, since then. Now, Ramona Rios, the glove has been really good at third base, the arm, and I noticed on, at the home opener that the arm just hasn't been getting the strength, It doesn't hasn't had the strength to get the ball across a diamond consistently, uh, but the bat's coming alive, and, and, and Stan, I do think that Ramon Arias has one of the better bats in the lineup. His last seven games, he's batting 357 and 278 over his last 15 games. Is this a guy who you think has a role with the Orioles moving forward? There's not really a guy for second base other than Ruth Nettodor right now who we don't think is part of the future. Do you think that Ramon Arias, especially with his late uh, his hot hitting lately, is carving out a nice role for himself for the Orioles? Yeah, I think he I think he is, you know. And I and I wouldn't underestimate uh Odor either, you know. Um and and I'm not talking five years, but I could certainly the Odor we're seeing this year, uh, what he makes, I, I certainly think he could be a part of the Orioles for the next one or two seasons. Yeah, and you know what, Stan? And, I was... it's shy, and I have to admit, I'm shocked that I'm saying that, you know, because I've had such little appreciation for his offensive game the last three, four seasons. I uh, thought he'd been a disaster offensively, and clearly he's gone to work, and he's... Uh, Doing, uh, you know, he's made himself relevant again. Well, it's that it's interesting with with both Mateo and Arias, uh, not including Odor here. He's a little bit farther down this list, but as far as war goes for the Orioles and what these guys have been able to do, um, Mateo is number five for the Orioles, and, and Arias is number six. So even though they've had these, you know, sort of prolonged slumps, and the bat hasn't really come along. Somehow they're creating all this value that they're they're both in the top six of, of Orioles players war wise. Yeah. Well, you know, Arias is a, a player we all like, 
And the question with him, again, is uh, sort of his ability to stay on the field. Because he's a little frail, he just seems to break down, you know. And that's probably something that's uh, kept him from uh, a role on a big league club for a while now. Yeah, and getting back to Odor, he's in the middle of an 11-game hit streak after having a three-hit game last night. Stan, I, I, I was with you. I wasn't a fan of the signing. I didn't understand it. And the first month, he only hit 180. I, I wasn't on the Odor train. I saw the, the spring training numbers were awful. You know, I, I really did not expect him to be on the club pass like May the 1st, you know. Neither did I, but I have no choice but to hop on board because he's come up with big hit after big hit. He's seemingly getting a hit every night now. And the defense is short up a little bit. The Orioles have a guy at second base right now where they can put him out there and not have to really worry about him. And I never thought I'd say that about Odor, but he's become that guy for the Orioles this year. It's pretty pretty surprising. Um, Yeah, it's interesting to listen to Hyde uh, talk. He clearly, they did... They did some homework reconnaissance on him as to what type of teammate he was and, uh, you know, uh, whether he was selfish. And they found out some things about him, you know. I, mean, I heard Brandon Hyde say he talked to Rizzo, uh, so he clearly talked to him. Uh, you know, uh, Hyde has a relationship with uh, with Rizzo, from Anthony Rizzo, from the days when he was with the Cubs. And he... Uh, um, you know, they did they did their homework on them. Yeah, and it's it's paying off for the Orioles right now. It's one less thing for them to worry about for the time being. It maybe helps them not have to rush any prospects just to fill out a position. Not that they would have anyway. Now, Stan, Odor could be making himself a trade candidate for the Orioles, along with guys like Trey Mancini, Anthony Santander, Jordan Lyles. Uh, how many of these guys do you think make it through the trade deadline, and how many of them do you think are, are going to be gone by the time we're talking on August 1st? Don't don't really know, uh, you know. Uh, I'm sure Lyles there'll be some interest in, but I'm not I'm not quite sure that they don't view Lyles as somebody that could be here a couple of years. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm just not sure. Right. I, I'm, if you know history gives us any indication, Michael Elias will probably make a trade or two. Um, and again, you, you can't really bank on your prospects getting to the major league level and then having success. We think DL Hall and Grayson Rodriguez are definitely going to be something in this rotation. We think Tyler Wells might be able to take another step forward next year. But if you have Jordan Lyles, it makes it so that if they don't, it's okay because you have somebody else to fill that role and a veteran at that. We'll see how things go over the next six to eight weeks. Uh, and Stan, before we let you go, I want to get into your power rankings here. No surprise, the Yankees are still first. You moved the Padres up to number six uh, from number seven the week before, but you noted that the offense is putrid outside of Machado. They should be getting Fernando Tatis back here in the next month. Um, do you see them trading for some bats by the deadline if they're still thick in the race like they are right now? I mean, Preller usually makes something happen, but boy, I, when I look at the offense of that team and and all the dollars spent and all the moves made, that's just an awful, awful offense right now. Yeah. You know? Now, Machado is... is clearly the front runner for MVP in the National League. Eric Hosmer's hitting over 330. He's having a nice season, but there's really nobody else. I mean, Luke, Luke Voigt hit a home run last night, but I think he's been injured for a better for the better part of the season. Um, 
Cronenberg turned out to be just awful. Grisham's not doing much. Uh, what's his name? The uh, oh god, Will Myers. I mean, it's just it's just an awful offense. Yeah, I, I would imagine if they want to stay in thing. And look, Bob Melvin's a big difference maker over there. The rotation is really, really good. But if they want to keep pace with the Dodgers and they want to fend off teams like the Mets and the Giants and the Cardinals. They're going to have to get better on offense. I agree with you there, Stan. And, you know, to your point about Will Myers, I mean, he's in just 233. This is a former top prospect who's had some all-star appearances. He's been a, a big-time player for them. and He's just he's just not getting the job done right now. And then, like you said, Trent Grisham hit him 157. They definitely need some help. Um, do, do you, is there anybody that you would have in mind that maybe they could trade for? Could they be a team that could be in play for a guy like a Trey Mancini? Um, not, not really sure. Uh, certainly Trey would help a club like that, but he'd probably, probably be required to play outfield all the time. And I don't know. Well, I guess with designated hitter, you could DH him. Um, it's an interesting thought, you know, it's a a big ballpark for him to play in though. It's not a great offensive, uh, ballpark. Yeah, and, but to that point, he's playing his home games at Camden Yards, which is now the hardest uh, ballpark to hit home runs out uh, out of left field. And so yep. I, I've, I've thought that Trey Mancini has made sense for the Padres for the last couple of years now. and Maybe he doesn't he end does. up there. But we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. Now, you flip-flop the Padres and the Angels in your power rankings. Uh, the Angels are now sitting at number seven. The offense is very good. It seems like they need some more pitching. Do you see them being in play for a starting pitcher uh, or two by the deadline? Um, it's a, it's a possibility. Um, I, I've been overall, I've been pretty impressed with what their pitching has shown up to, up to, up to the moment, you know? Yeah. And if they, I mean, I'd, I'd need to see a couple more outings from this young kid, uh, Silspeth, yeah. you know, that they've chased Smilspeth. Yeah. And he's got to get be able to get a little bit deeper into games. He, he, I think he only went like three and a third innings last night. He's got to be able to prove yeah. that he can go deeper into games for sure. I mean, look, they've they got they've gotten a lot out of uh, Syndergaard and um, and Lorenzen so far. They've, they've both been like brilliant additions, uh, you know. And then they have the uh, left-hander Sandoval's pitching well. And Detmers has pitched, you know, pitched a no hitter. Um, I'm not so sure that their bigger need isn't, again, uh, somebody that really can nail down that bullpen, you know, uh, in the uh, bridge roll to Iglesias, you know. Yeah. I still see a little... that uh, Tapera, I'm not saying I don't like Tapera, but he, he's just not having a great season. He's, he's, he's doing a better job, but Archie Bradley hasn't been that great. He's been injured... So I think their bigger need is still bullpen help. Yeah, and that, w- that would seem to be the case. I am looking at their rotation, and Detmers has the worst ERA, and that's at four six five. It looks like Lorenzen and uh, Syndergaard are having nice seasons, and Silvestad's having a nice uh, start to his year as well. So they might, you're right, they, they might have something there for sure. Stan, it's going to be an interesting summer of baseball, and I'm excited to see how this all plays out. Stan, we're going to let you go, man. Go, go rest that throat. I know that you've had a sore throat and been pretty sick here for a while, so go rest up yep. and get better, all right? All right. Thank you, guys. Stay well. Bye. 
And that was Stan the Fan, Charles. It was two great shows for you every week, every Monday night. Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Gary chatted with former Johns Hopkins and UMBC coach Don Zimmerman, who has been working the NCAA lacrosse tournament for ESPN. Find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash radio. Stan and Ross will be off on Monday for Memorial Day, but Stan and Gary will be back with another great show later this week. When we come back in, Zach's going to sound off here on the Batter Round. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker, Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org.
back in here on the bat around almost through the first full hour. Don't know what just happened with the music. I, I, I just cut that off way early. I, yeah, I, did, I, was, I, I was super early. Got to slide it down. Uh, the first hour of the bat around is brought to you by the latest edition of Pressbox, which is available now on the cover. Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for catching a baseball came from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens 2021 draft picks can make progress this season, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You know what it is, Paul? I'm getting too used to, to producing G, uh, GCR, because there is no you know, intro music when you come back into GCR. It's just, it's just your voice talking about wearing no pants. So I have to cut it off. Right? <laughs> I have to cut it off. I, I love that segment, by the way. You go, not wearing pants, like I'm doing right now, or <laughs> something like that. Anyway. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, I wasn't wearing pants. I just wanted to I, I just heard, like, I hadn't heard this until I came on GCR on Wednesday, and I was like, wow, that was interesting. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, he, he gave me, uh, he gave me some, um, so three different reads to do for coming back okay, from commercial okay. breaks. Was, I like them. They're that good. was one of them. And I had I added my own little twist to yeah. it. Um, any hoodle, nothing, <laughs> not something I had ever said before that read. I so, bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have uh, sounding off Zach Goodman, which is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect. Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Zach, what do you got for me? So we talked about it in the intro, and I'm not sure if people actually heard it because I don't think we were live at that point on Facebook. We were having those technical issues, but we talked about Apple TV Plus and their broadcast of the Orioles game last night. And I really, I mean, I've seen clips. I haven't sat down and actually watched a full game on Apple TV Plus until last night. That was my first one. They're only played once a week. It's only Friday night, so not, you know, not any real reason for me to watch a game on Apple TV Plus until now. But... I actually, I, I expected to kind of think, okay, this is going to be just another broadcast. I'm not sure why Apple does this. I don't like the exclusivity of it, whatever. But I was really impressed. I was very, very impressed by what they had last night. The probabilities, the live real-time probabilities going in the right corner of the screen, I mean, that's something that I think is is really, it kind of ties in with all the analytical steps the game is taking. And it's giving fans a, a real-time opportunity to kind of see, like, okay, is this guy going to strike out, get on base, whatever. They have a bunch of probabilities running. They have, you know, game-winning probability, all of that. So I, I think all of that is is very high-tech. It's cool. It's something that should be across all broadcasts in baseball. You know, Apple TV is the first one that's really giving you these live real-time probabilities. But this is something that, again, with this analytical drive that we're going through in baseball right now where every single team is doubling down on their analytic department and trying to get better in this department, the, every broadcast should be showing fans this kind of stuff because this is what the teams are seeing. I mean, they're seeing these, these real-time probabilities just like, you know, uh, just like the, the, as the players go up to hit and everything. I mean, they're seeing these probabilities. So I think fans should be able to see them in a similar fashion. And what Apple TV shows, I think, is very high-tech and, and very cool. And we, as we talked about in the intro as well, the, t uh, the picture was incredibly sharp. I mean, the graphics were so much better than what you get on Masson or any of the other regional sports networks that a lot of these games are broadcast on. And I just think the whole production was very clean, very crisp. The probabilities were great. I think this should be the new standard 
I mean, teams, these regional broadcast networks, obviously, they're certainly not as rich as Apple is. It's going to be a lot tougher to to do what Apple does. But something like real-time probabilities, that can't be that difficult to incorporate. Right. And it just makes everything way more fun to watch. I had a really, really good time watching that game with the way Apple TV did the production. It was excellent. And not to mention a uh, six-run comeback and the Orioles uh, scoring 10 unanswered runs. That's Well, that was fun. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, I tend to agree with you uh, on, on that, Zach. I thought that the broadcast was fantastic. I thought that I, I liked the analytics they put up there. Yeah. Probably, I happened to catch the end of the Blue Jays Angels game mm. after that. After I got done prepping the show, and I, they put down in the corner where Mike Trout was up, home run probability three percent, and I'm like, that's <laughs> cool because now I'm watching. Yeah. Like, is he going to hit a home run now? Like that exactly. That, you know what I mean? It, it, it made it a much more interesting watch because now you're watching yeah. to see if they do what the probability says. You it's, know? it's interactive and it gets you thinking like, okay, how did this probability, how did they come up with that? Right. right. Like, like it like, gets you thinking about it. If Mike Trout is batting in the bottom of the eighth inning, his team's tied, the ball game's tied 3-3 and he has a 3% chance to hit a home run. Yeah. Does that mean that they took into account how many times has he homered in in the eighth inning, right. uh, per, how many home runs does he average per game, per season, in certain counts, in certain temperatures, stuff like that? How much of that is factored in? I'm to sure all out, of it. Yeah, and, and to, it's really to cool. That out. Yeah. It's, it's seems like a lot of work that I wouldn't want to do. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Lie. But it, it does it does seem pretty cool. It does seem pretty cool. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. I thought that it was I, I an A plus, a gold standard for yeah. for broadcast yeah. last night. And the Orioles' own Melanie Newman. Um, yep. I don't, is she going to be calling a lot of those games? Uh, she calls or? everyone, I believe. She's the lead play-by-play announcer for Apple. Oh, that, that's that's yeah. very cool. And so we got to hear a familiar voice during an Orioles game that we otherwise may not have heard yes. for an Apple TV broadcast. No, I don't. I don't think she's the main voice because I believe she, she is because she. I mean, maybe she's the main voice for that time slot. But there were there's two other games that are going to be played on Friday nights now that that she's not going to be able to call because she's going to be calling one of the other ones. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I believe she does at least one. I know they have multiple games on Apple TV, but I believe I believe yeah, she, she does she, one. She's on, the main one for on Friday nights for one of the broadcasts. She, uh, right, they, exactly. So, so if, exactly, they have, yes. if they have three broadcasts, they have three lead commentators, and she's one of the lead commentators. I guess that's the way it works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that, that makes sense. And, you know, Melanie, uh, we've had her on the show a number of, a number of times. She is a pioneer for women in sports broadcasting and just – killing it out there for the Orioles and for Major League Baseball as a whole. Uh, so kudos to Melanie for doing another great job, and we look forward to hearing her on more Orioles broadcasts and on more uh, Apple TV broadcasts now and in the future. I'll certainly be tuning in on Friday nights now from, you know, if I'm around seeing seeing these games because they're really entertaining. And if, if you know, it, it, I wish the Orioles were going to be on more or any other team I care about, but um, certainly they, you know, they're not going to get that many spots because they are the Orioles, unfortunately. I, I, I just... I just you know, it'd be cool to see them on Apple TV, but I also think if you're going to do that, you still need to give people the option to watch their team on a di- on their hundred percent agree. Uh, but the exclusivity, if we're if we have to pay extra money to have Masson as part of our cable package just so that we can stream Masson, then we should be able to watch every single Orioles game yeah. on Masson. And if you want to broadcast it on Apple TV too for the rest yeah. of the country to see, especially when the Orioles get back into a competitive uh, playing uh, back to a competitive playing level, yeah. Um, that's cool, but if 
Orioles fans need to be able to see their team. I, I don't disagree at all. And uh, by the way, though, kudos to Madison. I don't know if we ever talked about it, but the graphics this year are so much better. They're so much they better. overhauled everything. Even the quality of video is a little better. I mean, they, they really did a good job, and it shouldn't go unnoticed because we've been calling out Masson for years because of their their graphics that were frankly behind the rest of the industry. And I mean, they were they I think they were from two thousand six. Um, was yeah. the last time those graphics like I'm talking about the score bug and when it comes up with you know the no, player the, stats. The, the score bug. If you go back and you look, Maybe at like 09? I, I, If you go back and you look at some of those games, it's vastly different. Is but it that much? I, it, it, it was vastly different, but it wasn't still up to par with the rest with the, with no, the standard that cool. the rest of the league has set. And the Masson's called up. They, yeah, they, they have. They, they've done a great job. At first, I was a little disappointed that they weren't showing like the players' batting average, home runs, RBIs, yeah. and stuff like that. But now they they have they up, in the, they, uh, up in that bug. It says today one for two. Double strikeout. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. and it's up on the screen for you to see. Yep. So I, I do think the Masson has done a, a good job, and they need as much as we hate on them. For, and I still am not the biggest fan of the app, but it's what we have. Masson, fix fix the app. Fix. Yeah. You come in like eight outs behind. Yeah, the, the, like eight outs behind. It's not eight outs behind, but it's it generally, is on mine. It, it's Literally, on, like on average, anywhere from four pitches to an inning behind. I I swear, the last time I was on there, it was like a good eight outs behind. The, the crazy thing is. There have been times when I've been watching it where it's only been 15 seconds behind. Really? Yeah. I've never experienced Like, I remember watching the Orioles play the Angels, and I was at work, and we had the game on the TV, and I saw Shohei Otani fly out to left field, and then 15 seconds later on my phone, I saw Shohei Otani fly out to left field. that That happened for, like, that entire Angels series. But ever since then, it's been four pitches behind at a minimum. But I, I so I haven't experienced that. And also, you get like the um, like the three or four minutes of ads before that. Like you get like the super the, annoying. Yeah. And, and I, if you leave to like if somebody texts you or you have to make a phone call and then right. you come back, you get those ads, get ads all again. over again. I know. Uh, and sometimes you don't. But I have no idea when that's going to happen. No. I remember one time I was, I was I played a baseball game with my team and we went to Independent Brewing Company. Uh, mm. I'm sorry, um, Dependent. Um, distillery, because <laughs> we're not allowed to give free free plugs here. We went to Dependent mm. Distillery. Um, we were having some cocktails after my game, and I wanted to put the Orioles on because they didn't have they didn't have TV showing the Orioles game there. And Masson would not start. It just kept playing the same ads over and over and over <laughs> yeah. and over. And I saw the Medusa. You know that Medusa commercial? Yep, I hate it. The Amazon I've, one. I've God. seen that. Com- I saw that commercial that day twenty times. And then the Ford Bronco commercial I saw probably 12 times before I actually got to the game. And by the time I got to the game, I was ready to leave and go home anyway. <laughs> you know, So yeah. some stuff needs to be fixed. But kudos to Massim because their in-game product has been significantly better. better. And, and kudos to you, Zach, for bringing it up because as much as we hate on them, we can praise them when it's, deser- when it's yeah. deservedly so. And it has been deservedly so this year. Uh, all right. Thank you very good, Zach. That was fantastic. Now it is time for the payoff pitch. Around the league. That was a new way of saying it, right there. Yeah, little, yeah, switch it up a little bit. That was uh, I don't, I don't know how to describe uh, that. Uh, that was a, a, a little <laughs> smoldering. Interesting. Wow. All right, go ahead. All right, trailing six nothing in the fourth and eight two in the seventh. The Orioles scored three runs in the seventh, three in the eighth, and four in the ninth to complete an improbable comeback, shocking Boston twelve to eight. Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes, and Jorge Mateo each homer for the Birds in the victory. Jamison Tyon tossed eight innings of two-hit ball. Matt Carpenter homered in just his second game with the Bronx Bombers as the Yankees shut down the Rays 2 to nothing. Alex Manoa, uh, Alec Manoa struck out nine over six strong innings while Lourdes Gurriel paced the offense with three hits, including the game-winning RBI single in the ninth to lead the Blue Jays over the Angels 4-3. to 
Three bat three runs, batters, knocks, multi-hit efforts to back Graham Ashcroft's Ashcraft's six and the third shutout innings as Cincinnati took care of business against the Giants five and five to one. They are twelve and eight since starting the year three and twenty two, the Cincinnati Reds. Pete Alonso homered and double driving in four to lead the Mets over the Phillies eight to six. Austin Riley homered and Ozzy Albies drove in two as the Braves defeated the Mets six to four. Bobby Witt Jr. finished the double short of the cycle while driving in three, but it was a complete offensive onslaught from the Twins that stole the show as six players had multi-hit games to lead the Twins over the Royals ten to seven. Harrison Bader had two hits and two stolen bases from the nine hole, and Paul Goldschmidt hit a two-run homer to lead the Cardinals over the Brewers four to two. Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, and Edwin Rios all homered to improve the Dodgers to an NL best 31 and 14 as they took down the Diamondbacks 6 to 4. Luke Voigt hit a big three-run homer in the sixth, and then Will Myers drove in the game winner in the eighth with a single to help push the Padres past the Pirates 4 to 3. The Mariners got four home runs last night, including one each from Kyle Lewis and Julio Rodriguez to lead the charge in the 6 to 1 defeat of the Astros. And Marcus Simeon and Nate Lowe each had three hits in an RBI, and the Rangers scored three in the ninth to break a 5-5 tie as they topped the Athletics 8 to 5. The Rockies and Nationals were postponed due to inclement weather. The game will be made up as part of a day-night doubleheader today. The Guardians and Tigers were postponed due to inclement weather when I was doing this and no makeup date had been announced. Alright, Rockies and Nationals. As you just mentioned, that's the first game of the day in Game 1 of that doubleheader. Austin Gomber versus Aaron Sanchez, two struggling teams at 12.05 at Nats Park. Orioles and Red Sox, Game 1 of their doubleheader. The Orioles and the Red Sox, they're on national TV for the second day. MLB Network out of market only, but Masson and Nesson as well. Jordan Lyles, Nathan Avaldi for the O's and the Sox. Royals and Twins, 15-29 Royals, 28-18 Twins in that division of the AL Central. Brady Singer, Chris Archer go to battle. Brewers and Cardinals Cardinals, Adrian Hauser, and the second start from Matthew Libertore at 2.15. Rangers and A's at 4 o'clock. Taylor Hearn and Zach Logue, two lefties, go to battle there. Game one of the doubleheader, Guardians and Tigers. Actually, excuse me, there is there is no doubleheader as of now, um, even though they were rained out last night. At 4.10, Shane Bieber and Alex Fiedo. Uh Giants and Reds at 4.10, Alex Wood and Vladimir Gutierrez. Gutierrez looking to turn around his 0-6, 8-7 ERA start. Marlins and Braves at 410 at Truist Park, Sandy Alcantara versus the lefty Tucker Davidson. Uh, Yankees and Rays at 410. Garrett Cole, the ace, faces off against Corey Kluber, the former ace of the Cleveland Indians. Game two of the doubleheader for the Rockies and Nationals at 605. Chad Cool and Joan Adone. Second game of the Orioles Red Sox doubleheader at 610. It's most likely going to be Denny Reyes versus Josh Winkowski, but right now it is to be determined for the Orioles at Fenway Park. Dodgers and D-backs, Tony Gonsolin versus Merrill Kelly, 7-15 at Chase Field. Phillies and Mets at City Field, 7-15, Zach Eflin versus Taiwan Walker. Cubs and White Sox, to be determined for the Cubs, Johnny Cueto for the Sox in that Chicago matchup south side. And, all right, what, what is it, south side and north side, is that what they do? In, what, what do they call those two teams, the, the Cubs and the Sox? Am I wrong in saying that? It's the south side for the I, Cubs, right? I, the, I, think the the, I think the White Sox are north side. And north the, side, and okay. The, and the Cubs are south side but I I, mean, I always get confused in that I don't know yeah, anyway I do too through the power of the Googs we can figure yeah we can figure that out. out Blue Jays and Angels 10-07 Yusei Kikuchi versus Michael Lorenzen Lorenzen off to a really good start this year 5-2-3-0-5 ERA Pirates and Padres 10-10 JT Brubaker versus Joe Musgrove at Petco Park Musgrove 1-9 ERA he'll look to keep going on his solid season so far and then Astros at Mariners for the final game of the night Jose Arquiti versus Logan Gilbert at T-Mobile Park yeah it, it is Cubs north side, okay. White Sox south side. Interesting, interesting. I I thought the, the Sox were in the south side. I didn't I didn't know if the Cubs were like a west side, east side thing. wasn't Wasn't sure. Oh, I don't. Anyway, know. um, 
Nah, West Side, East Side is... <laughs> I'm not like, uh, maybe New York, is that what it is? Well, West Side, East Side is um, West Coast, East Coast. Mm, well, that's... Okay. I'm not you up know, on my you know, Chicago like, like, geography. Like Tupac versus Biggie. Ah, okay. Makes sense. Makes um, sense. But I could be wrong about that. I, I don't I don't know. My, my Chicago geography needs help. Yeah, my overall geography needs help. I, I, help. I, I, I found it interesting... That the Cubs and White Sox had a scheduled day off last night, mm-hmm. which is a, a, fr- is a Friday day off. Now, that happened a couple times last year also. Very weird to me to, to not have a couple of teams playing on a Friday night. Now, I guess because it's a three-game series and maybe they want to play on Memorial Day. Yeah. Um, I get that. But random Friday off for the Cubs and White Sox. That is bizarre. So, all right. So, uh, Orioles banter today is brought to you by Press Boxes Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. You can watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with newly re-signed Ravens defensive lineman Brent Urban, incoming Maryland basketball transfer Jameer Young, and Norfolk Ties manager Buck Britton. You can find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature right now at PressBoxOnline.com. And today's Orioles banter segment, we're talking about the near future. And we already went off Uh a little bit, at least I went off a little bit, about how Grayson Rodriguez should be getting one of the starts today. But he pitched last night, and he absolutely shoved. He did. Um, D.L. Hall put together a scoreless outing with a bunch of strikeouts again in his last uh, outing after getting knocked around the previous two starts a little bit. So it's nice to see him have a nice bounce back. And I'm looking at this Orioles team, and we're already seeing it start to turn over. Sure. A little bit with with Adley Rutschman getting here, Kyle Bradish getting here, though he hasn't been very good the last few starts. Um, you, and you're wondering when the, who, who's going to be in the next wave. And we think that the next guy to get called up is probably going to be Grayson Rodriguez. Um, we think that the Orioles are probably yeah. going to trade Santander and trade Mancini. And, you know, if they do that, although Santander, I believe, had a three hit game last night. He did. He's uh, been and, playing. And, and, I, and I think he had four RBIs. We're certainly going to anger a lot of people with those two trades. But, you know, I think we've kind of known, especially with Mancini, they've been somewhat inevitable for the past for the past while, considering those two are playing two of the most replaceable positions and two of the most deep positions the Orioles have in the minors. Yeah, and you know what? At the beginning of the year, I thought that Trey Mancini was a guy who should be traded because there just wasn't a spot for him. But as you're watching the season play out and you're looking at the regulars for the Orioles, there's one, two, uh, three... Four, five, six regulars mm-hmm. hitting below 250. Yeah, in in this lineup, and we talk about Anthony Santander. He had two hits last night and three. R- I could have sworn he had three hits last night, but he had two hits, three RBIs, three runs scored, and a walk. But he's in 226. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it's and the on base percentage is not stellar either. Well, I mean, he's got the 23 walks, which is our which has tied his career high, and we're just yeah. at the end of May. I mean, his on base percentage isn't terrible because of the, all the walks. It's at 340. Yeah, I mean, for his career, it, it's two ninety seven. Right, and if he was hitting a lot, if he was hitting, you know, even two fifty, where could his on base percentage be? It'd be a lot higher. And 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 you know, the bat has just not been. It's been inconsistent. It's, and he, it has. He, he's come up with some big hits, and you know, he's he's faltered in big situations as well. Despite the error last night, he's been playing really good defense in both corner outfield spots. You know, the bat. He's had some big hits. He's had some big home runs for the team. He leads the team. I think he has nine home runs now, which leads the team. I think he also leads the team in RBIs. He's 
not having a terrible year, but that batting average is so low. It is. 226. We, we've got to stop being okay with guys hitting this low. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that you've almost become numb to it at this point because that's what this has been in this rebuild. Is you've, get, you've got a lot of guys who are hitting 226 and two, you know 215, and there are plenty of guys in this rebuild who have hit under 200 as well. Um, and maybe you, you've become a little numb to it because you've seen so much of it. But even as we talk about Rugnet Odor and what he's done in the past few weeks and how he's become hot 11 game hitting streak. he's only hitting 237 and mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys like you said in this lineup that are hitting under 250 at the moment now did you count adley rutschman as one of those regulars i, I did okay. i wasn't going to but i did because he is a regular and he's he hitting, is. and he's hitting 200 and he's played six games and, and, and he's batting 200 look we we get game one off by we, the way we, we oh, oh the oh well you would expect that he wouldn't play yeah. both ends of the doubleheader you don't really do that with catchers um with with rutschman uh, we think that we think that that bat's going to come around. Now, look, Weeters never became the hitter we expected him to be. We think that Rutschman is overall a better prospect than Weeters was, and we think he'll end up being a better player. But we still have to see it. Right now, we have, he had a, he had a multi-hit game the other day. He's got hits in three of the six games that he's played in. First hit was a triple. We've seen him just narrowly miss home runs a couple of times. One to left field, one to right field last night. Um... But the bat hasn't gotten going yet. But again, it hasn't even been a full week that he's been up. Um, so that remains to be seen what kind of offensive player he can be. But we think it, right. it'll be a pretty good one. Cedric Mullins, we knew he wasn't going to hit 300 all year like he did last year. 30-30 is probably a stretch. I still think he could be a 20-30 or a 20-40 guy. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, but the batting average, he got it as high as 269 at one point, And it's all the way back down to 246 right now. And... The bat's got to get going. He had two hits last night, but every time you think he's starting to get going, he falls off again. Yeah. You know, he might get it back up to 260, just drop back down to 240 again. Uh, and then I look at Trey Mancini. He was hitting 303 two days ago, and or three days ago, and now he's down to 288. I think the most impressive part for, for Mullins for me last night was the opposite field base hit. That was... And when you see him get opposite field base hits, that's usually when he starts to pick up, uh, get right. a bit more of an offensive uptick. Right. And it, it, the swing was good. Um, not an easy pitch to hit. I believe it was a high and outside fastball that he just punched into left field, which is what you should do with a high and outside fastball as a left-handed hitter. So I love to see that. And I, as soon as I saw that, I was like... That's not the Cedric Mullins we've been seeing over the last few weeks. That's that's a big improvement right there. So hopefully that gets him on track. Yeah, and it's one of those things where he was so good last year that when he's not as good this year, it, maybe it looks more magnified. Yeah, I, that's certainly... I, I think the spotlight's more on him than ever. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think there's a big pressure on him. At least maybe something he puts on himself. Maybe not. Maybe nobody else is putting the pressure well, on him, but I'm sure he put some pressure on himself to live up to the standards. The spotlight's going to be on him because he was the starting center fielder in the All-Star game, yeah. and he was a 30-30 guy, and he was an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. But there's more talent in this lineup behind him than there was last year. Yeah. So he can kind of take his foot off the pedal a little bit. Now... You know, metaphorically, he's not legitimately going to slow himself down because he doesn't need to be as good. He still wants to be as good, but the pressure shouldn't be as great on him because there's other people that can pick up the slack if he's kind of trending downward. Yeah. But he's been trending downward most of the year. Right. And you want to see him pick things up. And, you know, people are talking about, do you trade Mullins? Is he part of the future? Hate the arm in center field. Oh, it's awful. Hate the arm in center field. If there's a guy on second base... With two outs and his base hit the center field, he's scoring every time. You know, I, I'm I'm not a big fan of the arm, but the defense is great. The, he's 
got 11 stolen bases, I believe, on the season, which is top three, I think, in the major leagues. Um, So he's still playing. He's still having a good season. Uh, You just hope that the offense can tick up a little bit because I don't want to see guys hit him below 250. You know what I mean? If a guy's hitting below 250, I want to see 40 home runs from him. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I generally the power guys are the ones that that get on base a little less and and hit for a lower batting average. And Cedric hit thirty home runs. I'm not sure if he you can call him a power guy at this he's point. Not. He's he's, he's, he's a, just a good hitter who he's a good hitter who occasionally put, who puts a good swing on a ball enough that right. he can get it out of the ballpark. Yeah, and 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 Cedric has done a lot less of that this year, and unfortunately, it just hasn't been the the year that we expected. But again, imminent regression was. It was going to happen. It was always going to happen because going 30-30 and hitting 300, that's a really really hard thing to do, and that's why he was the first Oriole to ever do it. Um, And... You know, it's just it's just kind of symbolic of what I think what you're going to see this year from him um, is he'll go on some of these hot streaks and then you know he'll, he'll falter a little bit and he's going to be good in, in some scenarios and bad in others and it certainly hasn't been I, I think what Cedric probably expected for himself it hasn't been what the fans expected of him but then again you look at what we talked about all off season is that regression was going to happen it was he was mm-hmm. never going to evade it it's very hard to as baseball player I, I still think that he's going to right the ship a little bit here and probably get up to that two. 6270 range by season's end. Um, but right now it's it's been a little bit a little bit of a struggle. Um you look at Ramona Rios, he was and we we knew this was coming. He was having it he was hitting into some tough luck. Yeah. Hitting the hell out of the ball. His hard hit rate was up, his strikeout rate was down, but the the hits just weren't dropping. Yeah. They're dropping now. He's in over yes. 350 his last seven games. He's in right around 280 his last 15 games. Three more hits last night. The batting average, which was right around 200 all year, is now up to 235. Now, so look, some of these guys like Urias and Odor, they're hitting below 250, but mm-hmm. their numbers are trending upward. Right. Whereas a guy like Cedric Mullins and Anthony Santander, they're hitting below 250 yeah. and they're trending downward. Ryan Mountcastle, where's the power been with him? Yeah, a lot of chasing. He he really. Uh, we talked about that medicine ball drill that Santander does. I'm not sure if Ryan does that, he, but if he, he he did, he, he should do that again because he's been chasing every slider down and away. He just needs to lay off that pitch. I mean, these are these are sliders that are feet out of the zone mm-hmm. that he's just flailing at, and he's not even making any sort of contact. And you know, he he's a great hitter. Ryan Mountcastle's a great pure hitter. He's got to lay off the slider down and away. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to go back to Cedric real quick, if that's okay, because I, I was just looking at, I was curious, looking at Cal Ripken's numbers from 1991 to 1992, and if you look at, there was a significant drop-off there. He went from a 940 OPS to a 689 OPS, so a lot of times... Yeah, Cal only hit like 14 home runs in Yeah, he, he, exactly, 14 home runs, and that's 20 less than he did the previous year. Um, and a lot of guys that you know have MVP-like seasons, and Ripken did win one in, in 91, they put a lot of pressure on himself for the next season. So maybe mm-hmm. that's what's happening with Cedric. He came back in 1993, put up a 748 OPS, hit 10 more home runs than he did the previous year. So it, that that happens with MVP players. And I just wanted to finish a, that argument. It's about staying within yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, so guys like, like Mike Trout, they're going to put the numbers up every year because they're mm-hmm. otherworldly. Right. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean that Cedric Mullins isn't a very good baseball player. Right. You know, and, and you mentioned Cal, and Cal's a great example where yeah. so you'd see him one year hit, hit 275 with 26 homers and 100 RBIs, and then the next year he hits 255 with 17 home runs. Right. You know, right. Uh, and that's just, I, I think those were kind of the differential from 96 to 97 with Cal Ripken. Roughly, yeah. You know, and, and you know, sometimes that happens, but. Sure. 
if you stay within yourself, you play your game, and you're the player that you know that you are, you're gonna you're gonna get back to the mean, right? With, with your things, and we saw one extreme with Cedric last year. Mm-hmm. We're seeing, and we saw the complete other extreme in 2019 with Cedric. <laughs> yeah, I think he's more so the guy that we saw in 2020 in that shortened season where he hit right around 272, 80. He led the league in infield singles, had a bunch of stolen bases, and he was a guy who just he, he was a nice little player. Right. I think that that's kind of the guy that he is. A guy who in a full season can hit 20, 25 homers. He might hit 30 every now and again. Yeah. He's going to steal you anywhere between 20 and 40 bases. He's going to play good defense in center field. He's going to get on base anywhere from a 330 to a 350 clip. Yeah. And that's a good player. Sure. That's a good player, and that's a guy who fits into your into your team if you have the stars around him. There's nothing where, wrong with that. Where he doesn't need to be a star, but he has the potential to be. Right. A star, and and I think that that's fine mm-hmm. for Cedric Mullins. I don't expect anything else from Cedric Mullins, and anything that he gives me above that is a bonus, in my opinion. Like all last year was a bonus. He was like the one thing that kept us tuned in for the Orioles in 2021. I, I and I think he can get back there. I think we're gonna see some hot stretches where he looks like that guy. And I think we're gonna see some stretches where he looks like the guy we've been seeing the last couple of weeks. So yeah. I'm not too concerned about Cedric Mullins. Austin Hayes, man, that dude, he's becoming a star. Mm-hmm. Right before our eyes, uh, th- this is a guy who is finally, and we saw it the, la- the second half of last year when he got back and he was healthy. He's been healthy this year, knock on wood. What he's doing at the plate, he's a dude. Yeah, he's a dude. You know, uh, uh, what more can you say about him? What, what's he hitting? Two two ninety uh, two ninety five, I believe. He's hitting two ninety five. He's got five home runs. He's got what twenty two, twenty three RBIs. Uh, 1.7 war, 824 OPS. I mean, the numbers are certainly there for Austin Hayes. And even last year, where he was a 3.1 war player, he only put up a 769 OPS, and he's well above that now. So, you know, Austin Hayes has been, every facet of the game for him has been amazing. I mean, frankly, the guy, he's even chasing less and walking more. I mean, he's already got 15 walks, where last year he only walked 28 times in the whole season. So he should be able to eclipse that this year by... Quite a few, and that's going to be impressive, hopefully. Uh, just to derail for a second here, the Orioles have selected the contract for Cody Sedlock and for uh, Denny Reyes, and they have uh, optioned Bo Salster down to AAA okay. Norfolk, and they've designated Jemai Jones for assignment. Okay. Um, this right after he just had Tommy John surgery. I didn't even know he was hurt. I did and not either. <laughs> Jemai Jones has had Tommy successful Tommy John surgery the other day, and now he... Uh, you know, for his troubles, he gets designated DFA'd. Yeah, it makes sense, I guess. Um, considering the number of players that are available to be DFA'd on this roster has certainly dwindled in the past few months because of how much better the Orioles have gotten uh, talent-wise. So it's it's certainly not a huge surprise to me that a guy like Jemai Jones is the one to go. And, and, and look, guys, Jemai Jones, he and the rest of his family are athletic freaks. Mm-hmm. This was never going to be a major league player. No, he was. Ne- he was never going to be one of those guys that came in and played second base 150 games a year and hit 290 with 15 home runs. He just wasn't going to be that guy. Right. Um, and look, chances are because he just had Tommy John surgery, he's going to clear waivers and he'll be out right in the Orioles and put him on the on the 68 minor league. Right. I, I was going to say, I highly doubt someone claims him. That yeah, would be I a just, huge surprise. I just don't see him as part of the Orioles' future plans and. Maybe a utility guy that can play the outfield and the infield, and they can use some of that athleticism and that speed. But I just don't think the bat's ever going to play, and I, I don't agree. think he's. 
Maybe he can be something in the outfield, but I don't think he's ever going to be an infielder that you can hang your hat on defensively. So the DFA, a little surprising because he just had Tommy John, but also not surprising because he hasn't been performing and they need the roster spot for Sedlock, for Reyes, and for other guys that are going to be coming up here in the days and weeks to come. Anyway, back to Austin Hayes and the season that he's putting together. And this is a guy, now this is a guy who I think has 30 homer potential. This is a guy who I look at and... I mean, that, that was my bold prediction for this year was that Austin Hayes was going to hit 30 home runs. I think he is firmly in the Orioles' future plans. Oh, yeah. Oh, what was yeah. he, 26 years old? He's 26. He's 26 years old. He's hitting 295. He's got power. He's got great defense. He's fast enough to be a good base runner. You don't expect him to steal 20 bases. He might, he might be able to steal you 10 to 12 in a, in a season. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things for me that I've been questioning is why hasn't he stole a single one yet this year? Maybe just trying to be careful, stay healthy. That could well, be why. Well, I mean, you saw... I mean, back in 2018, he broke his thumb sliding yeah. into second base on a stolen base. Done right after he got sent back to uh, Twin Lakes right? Um, to, to minor league spring training. And then just the other week, he slid headfirst into first base and he got stepped on mm-hmm. and cleated. Uh, he hasn't had great success as a base runner as far as staying healthy. And maybe it's like, you know what? We don't need you to be that guy. We've got... Mateo and mm-hmm. Mullins to be that guy. You don't need to be that guy. You need to be the guy that plays great defense, 150 games a year, and hits the ball out of the ballpark when we need a big home run, right. like he did last night. And so far, that's what Austin Hayes has been, and I love to see it because do you remember 2019 when he came up at the end of the year and hit over 300 oh, yeah. and he infused some electricity into this team? He made that superstar catch in center field like Mike oh, Trout, yeah. who, and this is that he's. That's the player that we saw. The player that we saw then is the player that we're seeing now, and the player we yeah. expected him to be after his big 2017 minor league season. First guy from the 2016 draft to make it to the major leagues, and yeah. he's finally right before our eyes. He's becoming a star. Well, you know he's been my favorite player for a long time throughout the minors, and and when he got called up in 2019, I actually made when he the day he got called up, I drove. I believe it was it was his first home game. I I I was like I have to go see Austin Hayes, and he had like three hits that night or something. He was in, you know, and I was like, this is a guy. Like, this is such a guy that's going to be in the in the future plans for the Orioles. I mean, you talk about five tool talents, and he truly is one. Um, maybe the speed isn't quite what it was in the minors. I mean, I think you, you would have seen him maybe steal a few more bases if he had that same kind of speed. But the defense is excellent. The arm, pure eighty out of eighty on the the uh, twenty to eighty scale as far as the arm goes. Um, the power's certainly been there. I think the wall's probably taken away a few of his home runs this year, but five is is not a, not a terrible start uh, through forty two games. You look at what he does with the bat, clutch hitting. Uh, he's getting on base almost at a you know, 308 last year on base percentage, 362 this year. Quite a significant improvement there. Austin Hayes, like you said, he's a gamer. He plays hard. You love everything about Austin Hayes. And, he, and he's a five-tool talent that's getting it done across the board. And frankly, he's, he's by far been the best player for the Orioles this year. And I, I think that... It's almost impossible for the Orioles to say at this point, this guy's not in our future plans. He he has to be. I mean, he's yeah. only 26 years old. He turns 27 on July 5th, so it's not that far away. But look, this guy is is really kind of a complete package, and it's the first one that the well, – I wouldn't say the first one, but one of the first ones the Orioles have found through this rebuild that they can really count on. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. What, what he's done this year has been nothing short of amazing yeah. – and like you said, he's the guy. When he comes up, you you know he's getting a big hit. Yeah, you yeah. know he, he he's done it time and time again this year. You need a big hit. Austin Hayes is going to deliver for you. Yeah. You know, and and he did that last night. Uh, so now, as far as 
we were talking a little bit about Odor and Mateo and Arias, and mm-hmm. right now that seems to be your second baseman, shortstop, and third baseman. Yeah. And Arias, maybe the arm's gotten a little bit better, but I ne- haven't liked the strength, the arm strength. The glove's been really good at third base, but the arm strength, it seems like he struggles to get the ball across the diamond. And maybe that's just a lack of focus, or maybe him not realizing, hey, I need to put a little bit more on this throw. Yeah. Um, Arias and Odor, the bats are coming around. Mateo's been on the downward trend despite that three on Homer last night. What. Odor, there's no way he's part of this team in the future. No, I, I mean, I know what Stan said about him possibly being here for one or two more years. I don't really see it. I think they trade him. Uh, maybe. I mean, it, it, certainly, he, his OPS is still not over 700, and he's still batting 237. The power is only three home runs so far. So I don't know what you'd really get for him, but maybe. I mean, they, they were able to trade Freddie Galvis, so maybe you can trade a guy like Odor and get something. Right. And, and then, Mateo, it, it, it's a week-to-week thing with him. The talent's there. You know what I mean? The, the chase rate is just too high. I mean, his last at bat last night, he swung at some awful he did. pitches. He, he swung did. at some awful pitches. And for his speed, he doesn't get on base enough. Right. I mean, that's certainly the issue with Mateo right now is just that he's not getting on base to be able to use his best tool, which is his speed. And we talk about an 80 arm with Austin Hayes. You've got an 80 runner in Jorge Mateo who can literally steal basically any base he wants off any catcher. I mean, he could steal one off Prime Yadi or Molina in a second. I mean, this this guy's that fast. And it's too bad because, you know, we did talk weeks ago about how good we thought Jorge Mateo was becoming and that he was finally realizing his potential by playing every day and that this guy had unbelievable upside and what he could do for the Orioles in the, in the future and maybe not even as a starter but as a as just a, a bench guy who can come off the bench and you know give you you know maybe play three four times a week and give you some really good offense and, and really good defense and and the speed of course in the base paths and it hasn't looked like that but I'm not willing to write him off yet I've got a lot left hope wise with with Jorge and, Mateo. and look at a certain point as recently as a week ago he had the highest line drive rate in the majors. Is that true? I did not know that. Yeah, uh, as recently as a week ago. And Trey Mancini's up there, too. Trey Mancini is, I think, fifth in, what is it, hard-hit balls this year? I wouldn't doubt it. He's gotten uh, into a lot of bad he, luck. He, he, he's fifth in, in, God, I can't remember what it is, but I think barrels and exit velocity, the combination of that. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what it is, but I saw it last night that he was fifth in, along the lines of guys like um, Bryce Harper. You know what I mean? So the the numbers are up there. Um, and I just completely got off track. Oh, back back to Jorge Mateo. It's guys slump, right? Yeah. Three for his last thirty-two. You hope that the home run kind of gets him off the schneid a little bit there. You also have to the slump started right after he came back from that shoulder injury after um he got kind of tackled by Spencer Torkelson trying to yeah. run down the first base. Maybe he's still coming back from that. Maybe that's still ailing him a little bit. Maybe. I don't think this guy's ever going to be a 280 hitter. No, I don't I don't ever see that either. I was looking at his baseball savant page and some of the percentile rankings that he's in. Um, sprint speed, 100. <laughs> not not surprising there. Outs above average, 90. That's exceptionally good. Showing his defense, is, he, his range is unbelievable, mm-hmm. and, which we know because he's a hundred. You know, he's an 80 80 grade runner and a hundredth percentile sprint speed guy. So, um, but the the batting metrics are certainly a lot worse. I mean, 48 expected batting average. That's not terrible. We're almost right down the middle there. Uh, but his walk percentage is seven. K percentage nine. Chase rate six. Whiff percentage six. Hard hit percentage 15. So certainly some some not so promising numbers on the on the baseball savant side and some of these percentiles um, that they calculate analytically. So and this is a dude he he needs to learn to bunt mm-hmm. and learn to use his speed. 
You know, it, it, a slow grounder should, it, it can be an infield hit for him. Right. You know, and it looks like a line drive in the box score. And not, that's not to say that you can intentionally hit a slow grounder. You know what I mean? But they, I'd like to see him use and, and learn to take some pitches. Yeah. Get on base, man. Your your biggest asset is your speed. Right. Get on base. Yeah. If you want to be part of the team's future, you've got to learn to get on base so you can affect the game with your legs. And you've got to be able to hit above 200. Right. You got to be able to hit above 200. And right now he's just really struggling. Now, Gunnar Henderson, a guy that's not struggling, hitting over 300 down a buoy, the on base percentage above 450, more walks and strikeouts, tearing the cover off the ball. And I was reading an article from Dan, or I, I'm sorry, a Q&A from Dan Connolly, and he expects him to spend a good chunk of the year, uh, or at least he expects him to spend a good chunk of the year double A, but he thinks that maybe that timeline's a little expedited because he's been playing so well at mm. buoy. But he doesn't think he get he even sniffs the majors this year. Maybe gets the last two months or three months at Norfolk. This is a guy who we already knew was in the Orioles' plans. But how quickly is he in the Orioles' plans? I it's a great question. I'm not sure. Um, I it's it's just a tough thing to to kind of put into perspective because of everything that the Orioles have as far as when you know when they promote guys, they take so long to promote guys because they're so careful with everyone. So I I don't know. What's what's your guess? Is the best date? I think that he probably ends up in in Norfolk by late June, early July, yeah. if, if not a little bit sooner. But I, I, yeah. I, I think that he spends now. Look, if he gets to Norfolk and he's hitting three fifty, he's mm. not going to hit three fifty in Norfolk. What, what are his, what are his numbers currently that were, were at Bowie at the um, moment? At Bowie, I believe he's hitting three oh one with like I, a four fifty seven on base per. And there's like eight home runs, something like that. I mean, he's been he's been certainly tearing the cover off the ball. And it, it's just with the Orioles being so careful with everyone. I don't know. And and when Prieto got moved up to to Bowie, I thought maybe this is the time that that Gunner finally makes it up. But I think it's, they're going to move Gunner and Westberg at the same time. So Gunner uh, Gun, yeah. Gunner Henderson has a. 986 OPS. That'll that'll play. Yeah, he's got <laughs> his batting average is 295, eight home runs, 28 RBIs. He literally leads in every offensive category. Yeah, I mean 35 it, runs scored. Uh, the guy is. Uh, where, where is? I, I guess percentage? it's just balancing being careful with a guy who's still what 21 years old. 451 on base percentage. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say throw him into the fire, but I, I just think they want to be so careful. And the Orioles have taken so long to promote guys. Like you look at Prieto hitting 350 or whatever he was hitting in Aberdeen, and it took them, frankly, a long time to promote him to Bowie, even though he's 22 years old and frankly deserved the promotion. And I think it's going to be the same way with Gunnar Henderson, where he could be at that 460 on base percentage or whatever it is, but they just don't want to be so careful. And I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that mantra. I don't think it's a bad idea. I just think with the Orioles and the way they operate, it's certainly a little bit different than a lot of other teams, where they're going to take more time because the guy's 21 years old. And I think that's the biggest thing with that. And look, is he even 21 yet? Uh, he might be. I'm I think check. he's only 20. You might be right. I'm pretty, no, yeah, his birthday is June 29th. So, so he's about he, to turn, yeah. He turns 21 on June 29th. Uh, this is a guy, he's still one of the youngest players in AA, mm. tearing the cover off the ball, hitting the ball out of the ballpark, getting on base at a 450 yeah. clip, slugging almost, a, 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 he a, almost has a 1,000 OPS, yeah. 986. And th- th- we've heard it before, if you can hit, if you can hit like that at AA, you're going to hit like that in the big leagues yeah. as, as, at some point. Uh, we saw how much he struggled when he got to AA last year. Or when he got to high A last year, and he only had five games at double A. We saw how much he struggled, and he went and worked on things in the offseason. The walk-to-strikeout rate is significantly better. More walks and strikeouts, as we mentioned. This is a guy who I could see him coming up next year 
I think he starts. Sure. I think he starts next year at AAA, but I think it's kind of like an Adley or a Grayson Rodriguez type yeah. of thing. Where go yeah. down there and get some success for a couple of months, and then if you're doing what we expect you to do, you'll be here. Right, and he could be the the, the guy that replaces Mateo in the long run. Um, and and it could be sooner rather than later, like you said. It could be as soon as next year. I was doing some digging on Mateo on Baseball Savant just to, just for fun here. Um, they have a players. Um, Similarity. I'm not sure. I can can never say that similarity. word. Similarity. Can I can't say that word. Um, There's no U in it. <laughs> uh, player similarity uh, thing here for where they they essentially compare batting metrics um, and compare hitters. So the closest hitter to Jorge Mateo statistically through all these analytics that Baseball Tomat uses is Michael A. Taylor, and that's not exactly a ringing endorsement. Yeah, Michael A. Taylor was once a highly talented prospect for the he Nationals. He was. Who's, Career is amounted to a nice career as a fourth outfielder. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, he had a nice run in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Yeah, but he's never been that guy that they expected him to be. I remember right. hearing about him in 2014, and they yeah. were like, "Oh, Michael A. Taylor," and he just never became anything. Right. And if like, Mike, if Jorge Mateo ends up being Michael A. Taylor, Gunnar Henderson could be here sooner than you expect because yeah. the Orioles. I mean, again, when we talk about with Rutschman being promoted, they're flipping the switch and saying that we're we're getting ready to compete. We're getting closer. If you're running out a guy like Michael A. Taylor every day, then I'm not sure how much closer you are to competing. Gunnar Henderson certainly gets you a lot closer. Yeah, but they're not going to rush him. And Gunnar Henderson, when he gets here, he's completely in his hands. Right. You know, if Gunnar Henderson hits the ground running at AAA whenever he gets there, mm-hmm. and is putting up the same numbers or similar numbers. Uh, I, so, I just cannot there's say no that you. word. It's just similar. It's a tough one. Similarities. <laughs> um, if, he has, if he's putting up similar numbers at AAA to Bowie, he might ha- he might force their hand, but yeah. I, I I firmly believe that Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson are going to get here right around the same time, and you're going to look at uh, they're going to make up two thirds of your infielders that aren't first baseman. Yeah, uh, and whether it's Arias playing second, uh, Jordan playing shortstop, and Gunnar playing third, or some combination of that, I think that's what you're looking at next year. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it. And, um, and, I, I mean, Jordan Westberg's been tearing. He got off to a slow start, but he's been tearing the cover off the ball the last two weeks yeah. to the point now where you believe that he's kind of that that guy, the same guy that we saw from last year. He just got off to a slow start, right? So, 100%. And I, I, you know, I was talking to Eric Garfield a little bit, um, and he was talking about uh, Prieto um, defensively. And it's going to be interesting to see where he fits into that Bowie infield because Go- uh, Eric was telling me that uh, the defense has not been stellar for Prieto. And they, they, and they've been playing him at, at second, short, yeah. and third. Yeah. And the, the knock on him was that the arm strength yeah. wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, so I think he's more of a second baseman than anything else. Yeah. Uh, what I would like to see them do is just put him at second base leave him there, and hone the skills there. Because the bat's mm-hmm. going to play. Yeah, The bat's going to play. The uh, bat's definitely going to play. He's, he's an elite contact hitter from what we've seen, but it's just going to be interesting to see where he slots in with the glove. And I'm actually going to be at Bowie tonight, going to see the, the team, and I, this will be my first in-person look at Prieto. Um, and then obviously with Gunnar Henderson and, and Westberg and Ortiz, there's a lot to see there at Bowie at the moment. So I, it's interesting to see how Bowie's going to fit all these guys into their infield and get them all playing time. But like you said, I mean, it, they might promote Westberg and, and Henderson at the same time. That could certainly be the option for them where they come up and because they've they've frankly been kind of attached at the hip the, well, the and, whole way through. And if you look at Triple A, I mean, yeah. are, are you really worried about them taking playing time from Kelvin Gutierrez? <laughs> I'm certainly not worried base? about that. And I mean, who's playing second base? For for the sides, I, on, I mean, is it not? Well, Richie Martin's playing shortstop, but he, I know he's played a little bit of second base mm-hmm. down there as well. I I'm not sure who the everyday second baseman is. It's probably. Uh, it, not. I think it was Jemai Jones. And now, ah, Jemai, and, and, yeah. And Rylan Bannon might be playing. Bannon there could now. be there. Yeah. Uh, they had Gutierrez over at first base the other day. The, the point is, you don't have anybody 
that's blocking these guys in Norfolk. You don't no. have anybody where you're like, well, we promote them, but we really want to get a longer look at Bannon at third base and Gutierrez right. at first base. Right. That's not a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I, I could totally see Gunner and Westberg getting promoted at the same time, yeah. but what I want to see is if you do promote them to Norfolk at the same time, tell Gunner, you're our third baseman. Yeah. Jordan, you're our shortstop. Richie Martin, you're our second baseman. Or, Richie, you're our shortstop. Jordan, you're our second baseman. Yeah. And leave them there. So that we know where they're going to play when they get to the big league level. Right. Uh, the, the time is fast approaching where these guys are making moves. Yeah, and I, it, I agree. It's And that's why I titled today's Orioles banter segment, Near Future. Uh, because the future is right around the corner. It, 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 in some aspects, it's already here. It, right, and it's coming. It's coming for sure. And we, we talk about Joey Ortiz just for a second here because he's a guy that, you know, Keith Laws is very, very high on Joey Ortiz. Defensively, uh, and Gunnar Henderson said defensively he's major league ready. Yeah, and, and that's why I think that out of all of these guys, Joey Ortiz might be the first one who ends up making it to the big leagues. I don't really see Joey Ortiz as a long-term piece personally because I, I don't see the bat coming along enough right. to play uh, as an everyday guy. But, it, right, I mean, the future's right around the corner. Joey Ortiz could be in the majors this year. I would not be surprised at all. Henderson, probably a lesser chance. Westberg, lesser chance. But, look, Joey Ortiz probably is really close because of that glove and being so advanced. Right, right. We, look, we got to catch... Uh, our second break here. When we come back in on the batter on, we're going to have Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline and talk a little bit of Major League Draft and some of these Orioles prospects. That next on the batter round. Baseball is back and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com 
Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. All right, we are back here live on the Batteround on a beautiful Saturday morning in Baltimore. Just to remind you, the Batteround is brought to you today by the Baltimore Police Department. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.com. Org. Joining us now from MLB.com and MLBpipeline.com, he, his latest mock draft is up for MLB Pipeline. He is Jim Callis, and he's live with us here on the Bataround. Jim, it's Paul and Zach. Good morning to you. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? We're doing... Nice comeback for your Orioles yesterday. Yeah, one, one, one hell of a game. I, I was keeping track. I was at my other job, and I kept looking at it, and the guys kept inching closer and closer, and then finally overtook him. It was a hell of a game. Um, now, Jim, let's get right into it. The Orioles, they obviously have the number one pick in the draft this year. The consensus number one talent is Drew Jones, although there's anywhere from five to seven guys that could legitimately be taken number one overall by the Orioles. In your latest mock draft, you have the Orioles taking um, prep shortstop Jackson Holiday um, at number one overall. Uh, tell us a little bit about Jackson Holiday, and is this who you believe they'll take, or is it just something you were doing as kind of an activity for your mock draft? Yeah, I'll answer the second question first. It is still so early with the draft. You know, it's even later this year because the All-Star game is a week later. Mm-hmm. And we're, I guess it's a week, like, I don't want to say it's seven. I think it's seven weeks from tomorrow is when the draft is. Right. And the Orioles play close to the vest. So I think anybody who would suggest that they know what the Orioles are going to do or, or have great insight on what the Orioles are going to do, would be stretching it. I mean, I, I went with what I thought was logical. I didn't tr- necessarily do it as like, oh, here's a thought exercise. What if it's Jackson Holiday? But there, there's a lot of discussion. I mean, you guys know you cover the team. Like, you know, are the Orioles going to look to cut a big discount at number one, you know, like they did with, with Heston Kerstad and they did with Colton Kalzer? Or are they going to take the number one, oh, or they think it's the best guy, like they did with Adley? So, you, I mean, you can... You know, whatever way, and it's funny because, like, people in baseball, I get it from both ways. Like, I have people, teams at the top of the draft who are more vested in who the Orioles take. I'm hearing from them. They think the Orioles are going to take a legitimate talent there. Like, you're going to save money because the pick's worth $8.9 million. Nobody's going to get an $8.9 million bonus with that pick. So they're going to be able to save money anyway, mm-hmm. but um, still take a really good player. But then I have other people who, who with teams who are like, they think it's all smokescreen and they're going to take like cut a deal with Brooks Lee or something. So I, I don't think anybody really knows because it's too early and they play close to the vest. But, you know, with Holiday, I, I know they have scouted him. 
very heavily. They scouted Drew Jones very heavily. But um, you know, Jackson is the the son of Matt Holiday, and which I, I think maybe the most interesting thing about him is, you know, he was a good prospect coming into this season, and you know, he he struggled a little bit on the showcase circuit last summer. I think you know he tried to do too much and hit home runs, and his swing got a little jacked up, and so he was kind of like I had him as more you know for the guys I talked to, and as a lot of people in baseball I think had him more as like you know good player, kind of a second round talent, and. You know, you think of his dad. His dad's so big and physical, and and Jackson has just started to get bigger and stronger, and he's literally gotten better in every phase of the game. I mean, his swing's better. He's hitting the ball harder and farther. He's gotten faster. His arm looks stronger. He looks smoother at shortstop. Like I, coming into the year, I think most people, you know, didn't say he couldn't play shortstop, but questioned it, and now nobody's questioning it. Um, and he's he's really really good. I mean, he's got a chance. I think. The difference between him and Drew Jones, if you want to simplify it, is I think Drew Jones has a chance to be at least plus across the board, and Jackson Holiday would be at least solid tools across the board. Although Holiday is a shortstop and Jones is a center fielder, like I, if, if Holiday doesn't go one, I don't think he gets past the Rangers at three. All right, and he's certainly somebody who was not on my radar until a few weeks ago, and he's kind of burst onto the scene here. And you know, you mentioned his father is Matt Holiday, and I loved Matt Holiday as a player. That's some that's some good pedigree uh, that 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 uh, Jackson Holiday is coming from. Now, you mentioned that he struggled a little bit on the showcase circuit last summer. Somebody else who struggled a little bit was Elijah Green. And Elijah Green, this time last year, people were talking about he's the number one pick in the draft in 2022. And then had a lot of swing and miss in his swing to the point where he's kind of fallen, I'm not going to say out of the conversation, but to the back of the back end of the conversation for number one overall. What have you seen from Elijah Green this year? Has he improved on the swing and miss? And is he somebody who could put himself back into that conversation? Yeah, I think he is. I mean, I do think, and again, I mean, the Orioles are playing close to the vest and it's two months out. So, I mean, it's not like they know either. Like, when I think of the type of high school player that I could see Michael Elias and Orioles taking, you know, a guy who's a more polished hitter, like a Drew Jones or Jackson Holiday or, or Termar Johnson, you know, seems to fit that more than Elijah Greenwood. Now, that said, Elijah has really helped himself um, with a, with a really good spring. I mean, I, I think you're still going to have some swing and miss concerns. I, I, I think they don't, they don't, it doesn't bother you as much because he's looked better this spring. And because he's at IMG Academy, they actually play a pretty good schedule, so he's faced some good competition. You know, it's not like, hey, Elijah Green, I, I'm not taking anything away from Jackson Holiday. I, I don't know how many pro caliber pitchers Jackson Holiday's facing this spring, you know, in Oklahoma. Right. You, know, he, 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 you know, he's teeing off on guys who aren't going to be playing pro ball, and Elijah's facing better competition. So I think the swing looks better, the swing decisions look better. I do think guys feel better about Elijah Green than they did, say, at the end of last summer. You know, I just... I have not heard as much buzz for him going to Orioles number one. Now, I could see if Drew Jones went one, I could see Elijah Green going two to the Diamondbacks. And I do think he probably goes I, – I, I can't see him getting past the top five or six picks. Um, but, yeah, he, he has helped himself. I just – he doesn't – he just does not strike me as the, as the type of guy the Orioles would pick one-one. Yeah, and you mentioned Drew Jones, and we had your colleague um, Jonathan Mayo on Glenn Clark Radio also for Press Box Sports a couple of weeks ago, and he said that Drew Jones, uh, while it's not the consensus that he's number one pick, it is a consensus of all the players in this draft, he has the most 
the highest chance of reaching levels of a Fernando Tatis, a Ronald Acuna, a Juan Soto type of caliber talent. Um, if that's the case, why would he not go number one overall to the Orioles if he's got that much of a ceiling? Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, I think Elijah Green probably has the highest ceiling in the draft, but, but Drew Jones probably has the highest ceiling combination of ceiling and probability gets there if that makes sense you know mm-hmm. he's he, he's he reminds you of his dad i mean which is a kind of a lazy comp but i mean he's a you know great center fielder really strong arm you know plus plus runner tons of power and he's he's improved like not I, there weren't as concerns like there were with elijah green but he's improved too he's making better swing decisions the swing looks a little bit better this year and it's like it just comes down to i mean the number one pick is not always purely about ability. Sometimes teams want a college player versus a high school player. There's, I don't know if this is true, but I mean, I know one of the teams ticking behind the Orioles has heard. And again, he, he wasn't putting any like credence like, Oh, this is a lock, but there's talk out there. Maybe the Orioles don't want an outfielder. They want an infielder, mm-hmm. um, you know, right over an outfielder. So that would lead you away from Drew Jones. It could be, again, I, you know, you're, you're planning out your budget and your bonus pool. And like I said, I, I don't think anybody is getting $8.9 million, uh, which is the value of that slot. So, you know, you, you I don't, I don't know what, what it's going to take to sign Drew Jones. Let's say Drew Jones was going to cost you $8 million at the number one pick. Well, I mean, we're talking about the Orioles who've cut deals at number two and number five. And what if, what if Drew Jones would cost him 8 million, but and I'm just making these numbers up. I have sure. no knowledge, but let's say uh, Jackson holiday would cost him seven and a half million. And let's say Brooks Lee would cost him, you know, from Cal Poly would cost him 7 million. And let's say Jackson or, or, or not Jackson Berry is explaining a uh, Jackson Berry with uh with uh, with Jackson Holiday, yeah, the, the kid from LSU, um, Jake Berry, um, right. you, you know who uh, Jacob, yeah, Jacob Berry. I don't know why I was, I was struggling with Jackson. Anyway, Jacob Berry, who might be the best all-around hitter, becomes with like defensive questions. Let's say he might cost you six and a half million dollars. Like maybe there's a scenario where the Orioles say, "Hey, you know what? We really like Brooks Lee a lot, and we can save an extra million dollars, and then do this." Or we, man, we love Jacob Berry's bat. So we could save an extra million and a half. So I think that's a scenario. You know, something like that could come into play. And, and just to put Drew Jones into perspective, I do think he's the consensus best player in the draft. I think most teams will tell you he's the guy, but it's not. And he's really good, but it's not that uh, you know Steven Strasburg, Bryce Harper, you know, towering above the rest of the draft. It's mm-hmm. his generational talent. He's really good and he's the best guy, but he's not that you know, once in a decade type type of guy either. And then there's some other talented players also to where you're not sacrificing a lot in talent, but you might get, you know, you might save even more money. So that I think that's how, you know, that could possibly play out. Well, and you mentioned Jacob Berry, and that's who, uh, again, your colleague Jonathan Mayo, he has in his latest mock, he has the Orioles taking Jacob Berry, number one overall. And like you said, the maybe the best bat in the draft. Or the I, most think, yeah, I think Jonathan actually had him taking Jackson Holiday with his last one, but, but uh, that, that's fine. Uh, maybe it was two, two ones ago. He had, yeah, he had yeah, yeah, yeah. Jacob Berry. And that's a guy, a lot of bat, not a lot of defense. And the Orioles kind of already have that with uh, Ryan Mountcastle. Now, look, you don't draft based on what you have. You draft on, based on what you feel like you may need in the future and the best player for your franchise. But 
Jacob Berry would seem to be a bit of a head-scratcher to me at number one overall, considering that he doesn't have the glove to go along with the bat. Yeah, but, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I wouldn't take him number one. I do think he's the best bet. Like, if you were to ask me who's going to have the best offensive numbers of any player in this draft, I think Jacob Berry would be the best bet. You know, he's got the track record in college. Um, he's a switch hitter. I think he's going to hit for a lot of average. I think he's going to hit for a lot of power. He draws walks. He controls the strike zone. He had, I, I haven't checked his stats recently, but he had almost as many home runs as strikeouts this year. He, he's really, really talented. And you can make a case, you know, if he went 1-1, part of the case would be that you would be cutting a deal. Because if he doesn't go 1, he might go in that 6-7-8 range. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, again, if I were an Orioles fan, I probably wouldn't necessarily want to <laughs> hear this. Um, after, you know, they took Heston Kerstad to save a bunch of money. And they took Colton Kowser to save a bunch of money. You know, and I know, I know personally, if I'm picking one, one, I just want to take the best player. Right. I figure out who that is. I take the best player and go from there. But, you know, I mean, I think if the Orioles were to take Jacob Berry one, one, the argument would be that a, he might, you know, have the best offensive numbers of anybody. You know, he, can he play third base prize stretch? Can he play corner outfield? He could probably play corner. I, I think he's better defensively than Mountcastle. I mean, that's not uh, you know, real high bar, but you know, he might be a first baseman DH and, and, and you'd like that, but like, you wouldn't like that as much, but, but you'd be, t- if you took a number one, the argument would be a, we think he's going to produce the best offensive numbers of any player in the draft. And, you know, if he does that, if he's first baseman, that's pretty valuable. And B, if we take him number one, again, I'm just pulling out round numbers. It might save him a million and a half, $2 million compared to what somebody else would take that they, they would then put into other picks later in the draft. And, and my counter to that would be, I mean, as you guys know, I mean, they didn't get the guy. They, 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 I mean, two years ago when they took Kerstad, who, you know, for no fault of their own, has been sick and, and hasn't played, you know, the guy they wanted to get with their second pick was Nick Bixco, and he didn't make it to their second pick. Now they, they got Colby Mayo and Carter Baumler, and, and Mayo looks really good, so maybe that works out. And then last year when they took, um, when they took Kowser, they wanted Jeff Fabian, and they didn't get Jeff Fabian. So, like, that's the tricky part. When you start cutting deals at the top of the draft, you can't guarantee you're going to get the guy, you know, that you want. I mean, you have to have plan B and plan C, but it, it's not just like, hey, if we take Jacob Berry, I'm, I'm just making it like, oh, Dylan Lesko, we can drive him down to our next pick because he's coming off Tommy John, even though he might have been the best pitcher in the draft. We'll get him. Dylan Lesko's probably not getting to your next pick. You know, whoever the target is, you just have no way to guarantee that guy gets to you. Right. No, absolutely. And I remember well when they when they won a Bitsko and he just wasn't there. I think it was a, it was a race that took him a few picks before the yeah. was picked again. So I definitely remember that. It's all really a crapshoot when you go into the draft. Now, look, there's all the excitement around who the Orioles are going to take number one overall and all the excitement when that pick is finally announced. And then it immediately shifts from they got him to – When's he going to get here? Which of these players do you think has the fastest rise to the major league level? Uh, is there any of these high school players that you think could be here at 19 or 20 years old, like a Juan Soto? No, I mean, I don't. I mean, if you had a guy like that, I, I think he would be the obvious number one pick. I right. mean, even a guy like Drew, like to me, I'm just taking it, you know, if I'm taking the best player at 1 1, I'm taking Drew Jones. You know, realistically, uh, you know, I, I think if you took Drew Jones this year, you're probably looking at him in the big leagues 
uh, you know, the fastest would be toward the end of 2024 mm-hmm. and probably more realistically the beginning of 2025. But even the beginning of 2025, like, and that would be on the fast track, he'd be 21 years old because right. um, he's, he's fairly young. Um, and, and then, I mean, and you still, you know, the service time considerations really haven't gone away. I mean, there's incentives now to, to not delay guys, but and I know it was pandemic related and I know there was an injury. But, like, if you told me, if we'd had this conversation in 2019, like, who should the Royals take 1-1? How quickly would it be there? I would have said they should take Adley Rutschman, and he'll be ready for the big leagues by the end of 2020. And at worst, he'll be up there very early in 2021. And I, I would have been a year off. I mean, now granted, I mean, there was a lot of extenuating circumstances there. Right. But, you know, I think if you're looking for a guy to get to the quickest, honestly, it would probably be Brooks Lee or Jacob Berry coming out of college. I mean, I think both those guys, like Brooks Lee probably winds up at second base in the long run rather than shortstop, you know, maybe shortstop, but you know, Brooks Lee has grown up around the game. His dad's a college coach, his college coach, his uncle was a first round pick. Um, I mean, Brooks Lee, you're just basically rolling out there and I think he'll be in the big leagues. You know, like again, you have to worry about service time considerations. Whoever takes Brooks Lee, Brooks Lee could be in the big leagues by the end of next year you know, beginning yeah. of 2024 at the latest. Um, so, you know, I, I think those guys could get there pretty quick. But again, I mean, I think part of that depends too. Like, are the Orioles contending? Because the Orioles aren't contending in 2023. Let's say they took Brooks Lee. What's your incentive to promote him in August or, or September? You, you really don't have one. You're, you're better off waiting until the next year. Right. No, I, I, I totally get that, you know. Um, now, before we let you go, some of the guys who have already been drafted by the Orioles who are making their case for the big league levels, we'll start with Grayson Rodriguez. 23 and a third innings pitch, three earned runs, 38 Ks his last four starts. He's gone 81, 86, 87, and 88 pitches his last four starts. What more does this guy need to prove at the minor league level? Uh, nothing. I mean, I, I think you could have made a case. I mean, I, I do think if, the, let's say, the Orioles were contending, he might have made their opening day rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think there's much. Now, that, now that said, I mean, I, I hate harping on this, but it's just the business of baseball. That they're probably we're at the point where it behooves them to wait a couple weeks, and then you remove any possibility that he winds up being like a super two eligible right. arbitration guy in a couple of years. So. But, but no, I don't think there's much. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think you could really dispute the notion that he would have been one of the most talented pitchers, if not the most talented pitchers on their opening day rotation. Um, you know, I don't think he, you know, he didn't have a ton of upper level experience, but what upper level experience he had, uh, you know, he dominated. Like if you'd asked him to make the jump to the big leagues, you know, to start the season, uh, I think that would have been fine. I mean, I wouldn't have been worried that like, oh, he's only pitched 18 games in Double A and none in Triple A. So I, I think he's pretty much ready. It's just a matter of time. I mean, I, I thought it would have been kind of cool if um, they had had Adley and Grayson make their debuts on the same day. Yeah, I did too. Um, that, that would have been, like I think blown the lid off of Camden Yards. But um, I, I think I mean those guys. Like I feel like 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 Adley's caught like the majority of. Grayson starts since he's been a pro ball. Like it's going to be, it's going to be cool whenever that is. And I would assume it will be sometime in June. Like, you know, Adley will already be there. It'll still be pretty cool to have that, that, that be the battery. But, but I would, I, I think he's basically ready whenever the Orioles, you know, want to come. I mean, I don't, I honestly don't know. Like, I mean, what could Grayson come up with like a sixth pitch or something, you know, and <laughs> like, I mean, he already has like, you know, four pitches that are plus or better. 
Um, you know, I think he can even turn the slider into a cutter if he wants, and he throws a ton of strikes. Like, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know what else. Like, you know, maybe maybe he needs a knuckleball or something. Like to, like that that that's the final step. But he he he's definitely ready. Is he is he a guy who can hit the ground running at the major league level? Do you think that he can be really good as a rookie? And further, is he kind of like a Walker Bueller type of ace or better? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I don't. I I mean, he is kind of like Bueller in terms of that he's got like a bunch of stuff and you know a bunch of different pitches and and he throws strikes but like he's so much more physical than Walker um yeah I mean he, he should be able to hit the ground running I mean that, that said you just never know with with pitchers or, or rookies of any sort like sometimes guys get to the big leagues and like rather than realize hey you know what I do got me to the big leagues that you know they, they sometimes think hey I've got to take this to an extra level to succeed and I've got to throw harder or try to paint the corners and sometimes get in trouble that way now I mean I'm not claiming like I have intimate knowledge of Grayson Rodriguez's mindset but when I've talked to him I mean he seems like a pretty you know low heartbeat guy like you don't he doesn't seem to get rattled or excited on the mound so mm-hmm. you would think but I mean I, I'd say even if he even if he struggled when he got there I, I wouldn't read you know, too much into that, uh, you know, you know, I mean, look, I mean, it's a small sample size, you know, Adelaide Retro is hitting 200. I don't know right. if anybody's panicking, but like, it just takes time to adjust. So he's, to answer your question, he is equipped to hit the ground running and succeed, but you know, rookies sometimes need a, a little bit of time to acclimate. Now, you know, and that said, his stuff's so good and he throws strikes. Like if he came out and dominated right away, it, it wouldn't shock me at all. All right, I think that's something that our listeners like to hear. And then finally, before we let you go, Jim, Gunnar Henderson having a special season for Bowie, 295 with a 451 on base percentage, 986 OPS. He's walking more than he's striking out after having 56 walks to 143 strikeouts last year at uh, two different levels, or three different levels, excuse me. Um, how good is Gunnar Henderson? Is this a guy who you think could be in the Orioles' big league plans as early as next spring? What kind of player are we looking at uh, with Gunnar Henderson? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you can make the case that if he keeps this up, you know, whether he stays in double A the whole year I mean, or, or it goes to triple. I mean, if he keeps this up, I mean, I would think you'd have to promote triple A mid season. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. he could be on course for the big leagues next year. I mean, again, you have the whole surface time considerations and whether they're contending, but no, I, I, I've liked him a lot. I mean, I, we, we, Johnson and I split up the country for the draft and, and I have the South and I, I had Alabama and I really liked Gunner and I thought he was a potential first round pick. I loved the pick at the time they made it. Um, he was a young guy. I think he was, I think he turned 18 after the draft that year. And, you know, what he's done to me is actually pretty remarkable considering the fact that he, he lost 500 at bats in 2020. And, right. you know, like, you know, they were pretty aggressive with him last year. He came out and, and tore up low A for a month and it's boom, you're, you know, high A at age 20. And, you know, he, I mean, he had 230 there, but he, he drew some walks. He hit for power. He wasn't overmatched. And he was even up at double A for like a week at the end of the season. And, he, you know, I think this is a guy who, had he had a normal 2020, not that anybody did, you know, he might even be further along. So, I mean, considering how young he is and how little experience he has, he's impressive. I mean, I think the, the question in the long run is really going to be, you know, what position is he? I, I think most guys project him you know, more at third base and shortstop. Mm-hmm. He's kind of split time between more positions, played more third base as of late. But, you know, I think he has a chance to be a solid third baseman and a, you know, really nice middle-of-the-order bat. Uh, I think we all like to hear that as well. Now, Jim, uh, what do you have coming up? What can we plug for you, and where can our listeners follow you? 
Yeah, no, I appreciate that. You know, it's, we're, uh, it seems like we're doing well. <laughs> I want, it feels like we're doing all draft, but we're also covering the minor leagues right now. And, you know, just this last week, we updated our top 100 prospects list. I know Orioles fans felt like we should have moved Gunnar Henderson up more, although it was more making major moves and, and, and than, than, than tweaking it. And he, he'll continue to rise. So that's out at, at MLBpipeline.com, MLB.com. We, we expanded our draft list to 200, so our prospects reports go 200 deep now. We rearranged that order. We had a new mock draft, and, and from now until the draft, we'll have a, a new mock draft every week. Uh, you know, all the stuff's at MLB.com. I tweet about a lot of the stuff we, we, we cover at, at my account, which is uh, at Jim Callis MLB. There's also the MLB Pipeline account. And one of the things where I, I, I do uh, – I will always shamelessly plug this is like the nice thing is all our stuff's free, all our scouting reports, all our videos, all our stories, none of it's behind a paywall. So it's all available to everybody and we'll continue to work on our minor league lists and uh, draft lists, you know, leading up to the the futures game and, and the draft, which is about seven weeks away. All excellent stuff, Jim. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bat Around today. We will definitely talk to you as we uh, get closer to the draft again. Until then, uh, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you too. Take care, and uh, anytime. Thanks a lot. All right. See you. That was Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline and MLB.com joining us to give us a little bit of a draft preview. Very interesting uh, to hear that Jackson Holiday has kind of burst on the scene, that Jacob Berry could be, just because of his offensive prowess, could be a number one pick, and that Drew Jones is basically the consensus number one talent in this draft. Zach, if you were drafting right now, knowing the Orioles' brain trust, where who do you think they take number one overall? It's a great question. Um, it's so tough because we haven't seen them take high schoolers before. And we, we've we only seen them take college bats for the most part uh, at the top of the draft. But the fact that they, they did take Gunnar Henderson so high and that he was someone who went in the second round for them and I believe in like the 60th pick, 40th pick, somewhere around that area. He was their, he was their second round pick. He was their first pick in the second round. Okay, so how, what, what number was that? It was like in the 40, 40s. Like 41, yeah. I think. So, I mean, they, they've taken high school bats somewhat high. So I'm not going to say that a high school bat is off the table for them. I think Drew Jones is going to be the guy. I, I do. I, I, you know, Brooks Lee looks like such an Orioles pick, being a college infielder. And we know Michael Elias loves college infielders, and he certainly loves college outfielders too. I, I don't see them taking an arm. I think all of those are off the table. It's probably going to be Drew Jones or Brooks Lee for me. That would be my guess. Uh, Brooks Lee probably a little less likely. Drew Jones, I, I think they're going to see him as a guy that they almost just can't pass up at that point. Yeah, that, that's. You'd be hard pressed to explain to your fan base why you took somebody other than Drew Jones, based on I agree. The, based on the hype that he's getting and the ceiling that they and the probability of reaching that ceiling that yeah. we that we hear he has from Callis and Mayo and all these other guys. I think that if you didn't take him, you'd have some explaining to do. Now, yeah. now look, we were sure that the Orioles were taking Austin Martin. Mm-hmm. And number two overall, you were shocked yeah. when they like a lot of us were like, yeah. who when they took yeah. Heston Kerstad? And look, to this point, that has not worked out. No, it has not. I mean, not that Austin Martin's tearing the cover off the ball either. Um, I was very aware of Heston Kerstad. I didn't want Heston Kerstad at the moment. Um, you know, he was a guy that 
he, he really hadn't had a ton of success until that year, uh, the, the COVID-shortened year, and he was probably the best player in college baseball at the time in 2020 um, in Arkansas. And, you know, it it's bad luck for the Orioles. That's not... And it's bad luck it, for him. It, right, it's bad luck for him as well. Um, Austin Martin, you know, got traded last year for Jose Barrios. He's now in the Twins roster, and it, his OPS is like 750. He's not tearing the cover off the ball. There, there's certain uh, defensive questions with Martin and where he's going to end up, and it, it hasn't been exactly successful for him, but, you know, it, Spencer Torkelson was the best guy in that draft, and the Orioles had no chance of getting him, so I don't think the Orioles will beat themselves up about that one too much. They ran into some bad luck, but I, and, and I don't think that's going to affect their draft decision this year at all but right. um i do think drew jones brooks lee probably the two guys will take the hardest look at um you know i maybe they're maybe they'll go for a guy like jacob barry i have no idea personally but uh it's it's certainly there's still a few months things will change See, and jacob barry doesn't make sense to me simply because if we know one thing or two things about michael elias's draft process mm-hmm. one he loves college bats he does two he loves defensive versatility yeah and jacob berry gives you no defensive versatility he doesn't he gives right. you nothing there no um drew jones is a guy who i want them to take mm-hmm. if they take brooks lee i won't be upset because i think that bat yeah. plays pretty quickly it's just a- and if they take and if they take elijah green you just heard uh, Jim Callis say he has the highest ceiling of anybody in this draft. I think that the Orioles probably think a bit differently at the first pick than they would, you know, the second or fifth, what they've had in the, the past two previous years. They took Adley Rutschman because Adley Rutschman was far and away the best player in the draft. And I think that's probably what they'll do again. That's just my guess, is that I don't think they're going to try to save money for later rounds or take a guy who you know, is maybe not the consensus guy. I, I think this time they'll probably go with Drew Jones because he is the best player in this draft. Now, the Orioles could have someone who they think is better. I mean, if they think Brooks Lee is better, that's certainly a possibility. Um, you know, Jim Callis and MLB Pipeline, that's their opinion. The Orioles' opinion could be certainly different. There's always a, ch- a chance of that. Um, and if they think Brooks Lee is the best player in this draft, then they'll, they'll go ahead and take him. But I, I think Drew Jones, again, is, is probably your highest probability at this point. As far as this rebuild goes... This is the last time you're picking number one. Yes. This is the last time you're picking number one. For overall. a long time. For a long, hopefully ever. Yeah. If if the, if it's going, the, if things go the way Michael, I, now look, when we say ever, there's like a 20-year thing on that. Sure, you, you, sure. We're not talking 70 years down the line. Well, uh, but, th- but, throughout, but, this, throughout this process of sustained success is the way I'd put it. For the foreseeable future, yes. this should be the last time you ever pick number one overall. Yeah. It's got to be a home run. It's got to be a home run. Yeah. Y- your pick has got to be a home run. Now, now, do you want a guy who you expect to get here sooner rather than later? Then you take Brooks Lee. If you want a guy who you think can be here and be a part of the middle of your order and part of your defense for 15 years, yeah. but you're willing to wait for him to get here, then you take Drew Jones. I, mean, I, I think they're at the point where waiting for guys to get there is not all that big of a deal anymore, um, if that makes sense. I, I think that you know it, it's they're at the point now where they can afford to let guys kind of simmer in the minor leagues a little bit and, and get better and better and better. I mean, Drew Jones, he'll probably come up at 21 years old, if not 20. So it's yeah. not like you're waiting a lot of time anyway. But I think they're at the point now where they can definitely afford that. When they took Adley Rutschman, they were not at that point. They needed immediate talent in this organization, um, and Rushman was the obvious pick because he was incredibly polished, and he was a great off- offensive player and a great defensive player as well. 
and he was a guy that could excel very quickly. And we've seen him. He probably wouldn't have been up last year if, if it hadn't been for the, the COVID-shortened, uh, or the, the, really the COVID-canceled minor league season in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, frankly, I think the, the perspective has just changed for them based on where they are in the rebuild. And I don't think you need to, to pick a guy who's going to be up in a year. That's just not really at, at, their, at the top of their right. importance and, list right now. Right, and you have guys who you think are going to be able to fill that position. I, sure. I, I'd like to think that the pick is Drew Jones, but we will certainly see. We'll see. As for the Orioles, the game has started. They put an out on the board on Masson. Uh, Cedric Mullins hit a ground ball up yeah. the middle off Nathan Navaldi on the first pitch. Bogarts made a nice diving play, but um, Mullins beat it out for an infield single. Safe. He was safe, uh, but Masson did not get that memo, so they have him listed as out <laughs> and not on base, which is not the case. Now, nah, well, Apple um, TV wouldn't have done it. Yeah, Apple, <laughs> Apple, Apple TV would have gotten that right. Anyway, Trey Mancini is up. We are up for a break. Just want to remind you that, again, today's show is brought to you by the Live Casino and Hotel in Maryland. It's the best place to be for the playoffs and all the big coming events is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. You can bet on every sport with uh, with um, 61 self-service kiosks open 24-7 and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With some huge events happening this weekend, like the NBA and the NHL playoffs, the Champions League final this afternoon, the Javante Davis-Rolando Romero fight tonight, and the Indianapolis 500 tomorrow. So reserve your spot now in the FanDuel Sportsbook for all of these events by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. That's events at sportssocialmd.com. we got to cut a break, and when we come back, take to rake. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at pressboxonline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. 
The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. PressBox is available for free at over 500 areas locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fendel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Today's show brought to you by Simply the Bets. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VSIN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stetka and Alloy Sports' Brad Cronthal help you make some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Going to turn back up that music just so we can, can let it play out here. It's beautiful. I will tell you, I'm watching this Orioles game right now. Mm-hmm. Each of the first three Orioles reached base, and there's Ryan Mountcastle. Oh, he's safe. He's going to be safe. He was, oh, sh- shut up. He was safe. Um, each of the first three Orioles reached. Cedric Mullins had the infield single. Trey Mancini reached on an error by third baseman Raphael Devers. And Anthony Santander with an opposite field single uh, against the shift uh, to bring home Mullins. Mountcastle just tried to ground into a double play. And actually what happened on that play, ooh, I don't think you can overturn that. It was a double play ball. Mountcastle beat it, up, beat it out because of a high throw at yes. first base. And Trey He's Mancini safe. never stopped running and scored from second on that play. And the Orioles now have a 2-0 lead. The Red Sox might challenge this, but it might be too – or maybe they aren't going to challenge it. But it Orioles, he looks safe to me. Yeah, he looks safe to me too. And I think even either way, it's too close to overturn no matter what the call was. Orioles, a 2-0 lead on Nathan Navaldi. He normally shuts them down. Mm-hmm. Now, we should have done take the rake. Before this game started, look at you holding the mic over there like that. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a new thing. Game. Comfortable. Um, we should have done take the rake before this game started. 
Um, because I do get the number one pick again mm-hmm. this week. Because last week we had Mike Bordick on. He took Ryan Mountcastle, 5-25, one home run, three RBIs, one walk, a 200-222-325-42 slash line. Zach took Adley Rutschman, 5-25, for 25, a triple, ha! a triple, 5 Ks, 1 walk, 3 runs, scored a 200-259-285-39 slash line. And I took Austin Hayes, 8-22, mm-hmm. for 22, 2 home runs, 8 RBIs, 1 walk, a 364, 391, 636, 10-28 slash line. I win. Would you like a cookie? No, I gotta get a trophy for it, so. <laughs> That's back-to-back wins. I am now 4-3. And one mm. this year. Back in first place by myself. The guy I was going to take, I, was, I, I had already planned on taking him. Okay. Cedric Mullins. Okay. I had already planned on taking him before this game started. He was going to be my pick because, like you said, he had the two hits last night, and one of them was an opposite field single, a line drive into left field. And I think that it's always a sign that Cedric is about to break out of things. The last time okay. he got hot... It started with a line drive base hit to left field over the shortstop's head. So I think Cedric's about to break out. And, I, oh, they called him out. Does this current game count for this week? Yes. They they, mm. call, they called Mountcastle out at first base. So I could start off with a... Uh, oh, was, yeah, his, he toe, was out. his toe did touch. Yeah. He was out. So it's now it's still one to nothing, the one Orioles. To nothing which is not insignificant because Nathan Navaldi mushes the yeah, Orioles yeah. every freaking time out. So I, um, I, I could start off this week with an automatic one for one with with Tony Taters here with that base hit. Yeah, I could two, do that. Two twenty six batting average, but that would be that would be uh, irresponsible if I want to win this week. So I already know who you're give taking. Give me, give me the God Austin Hayes. The God. The God. That's my new nickname. He's not Action anymore. He's now the God Austin Hayes. I can't believe they're still calling him Action. It's the worst. It's it's truly the worst nickname. It's the worst worst nickname in, in, in baseball. It action. Really, on the, there's nothing that rhymes. Action a- Austin Hayes. Action. No, yeah, he's. I know. Austin, he's, what is he? Austin Mays Hayes. That should be his yeah, nickname. I like it. I like Austin, it. not Willie Mays. Austin Hayes. No, that's better. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so now, um, not only do I get the first pick, and I'm taking Cedric Mullins, yes, and Zach yes. is taking Austin Hayes, which is to be expected. But now I'm also going to have my final thought first, and my final thought is, enough is enough with bringing up guys that don't deserve to be here just to fill a roster spot. Mm-hmm. And, and I know I talked about this at length earlier in the show, but it bears repeating. Cody Sedlock and Denny Reyes should not be the guys potentially starting the second game of this doubleheader today. It should have been Grayson Rodriguez. And I bet that Grayson Rodriguez feels like it should have been Grayson Rodriguez because he went out last night and put together the best performance of his career. Seven innings, two hits, no walks, no runs, 10 Ks. Back-to-back uh, 10 strikeout. Double-digit strikeout games. His last four starts, he is he has gone 23 in the third innings pitch, 12 hits, 3 runs, 38 strikeouts, 6 walks, a 127 ERA, 81, 87, 86, and 88 pitches. Yeah, The guy's ready. The only reason he's not here, there's two, probably two reasons. I, I don't I disagree with Jim Callis. It's probably a Super 2 thing. But also, they wanted to debut at home. If the Orioles were in contention... He would have. He probably would have debuted today. Yeah. Maybe he would have been here at the beginning of the year if they yeah. had playoff aspirations. Cody Sedlock, former first round pick. Nothing against the guy personally. I hope he has a good career. Didn't deserve the call today. No. Just didn't deserve the call today. Neither did Denny Rice. It should have been Grayson Rodriguez. And I would like to think that the Orioles, if they haven't reached that point already, are fast approaching the point where these guys don't get to make those spot starts anymore because they just shouldn't. 
It should be your the best available, and the best available is Grayson Rodriguez. It should have been him. My final thought was going to be kind of along the same lines here, uh, that Ryan, I'm kind of done with the Ryan McKenna experiment. I don't know. Mm. There's something about... You've been done with him for a while. I, I really have been, and I'm getting more and more tired of it. I, I think it's worthless to have a guy on your bench that just literally only comes in to pinch run. I just think it's a waste of a bench spot. He starts, what, one out of every, like, 14 games? I mean, the guy basically never starts, and he only comes off the bench to play defense and pinch run. And you know he's playing tonight. And he's going to play today at one point because of the doubleheader, but, uh, you know, usually he wouldn't have because he barely ever plays. He barely ever starts because the He would have started tomorrow if, if there was I guess no doubleheader so. today. He, but, frankly, the guy can't hit. Um, you look at his OPS last year, it was 559. This year it's 598. Um, so an improvement, but still terrible and you look at his batting average of 222 and his on-base percentage of 293 which is one point up from what was last year the guy just isn't a major league hitter and I I find it to be a waste and I find like the Oriole I find that the Orioles could do a lot better with a guy even like Robert Newstrom on your bench because Robert Newstrom while uh, hold up hold up let me let me finish Robert Newstrom is a not a not technically a guy who can play center field um, you can have Austin Hayes play center field on days that Cedric Mullins is off. Um, so you have a backup center fielder. And Newstrom is a guy who's going to provide you a lot more off the bench bat-wise. And he's a guy that's a, 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 even more expendable than a guy like Kyle Stowers is. So you're not playing, you're not bringing up Kyle Stowers to sit on the bench, right? But I feel like with Newstrom, you can do that. That's more. That's fine, because he's a more expendable guy. There's more guys that are like him. But I think Newstrom will bring you a lot Moostrum. more. Newstrom. <laughs> would bring you a lot more value off the bench than Ryan McKenna would at this point. Uh, because simply put, Ryan McKenna just cannot hit. Well, at the major league level, his bat's been better this year, right? Two ninety three on base though, still. Yeah, I mean he's hitting two twenty seven, which is better than like four Orioles regulars. Okay, last Sunday he hit a ball in that when the Orioles ended up winning seven to six over the Rays in mm-hmm. extra innings. Last Sunday he hit a fly ball in the ninth inning that last year would have been. 20 rows up as a three-run homer for the Orioles. Instead, it was called on the warning track. Yeah. Um, Speaking of called on the warning track. Yeah. J.D. Um, Martinez. So, basically, this is a guy who was this close to a walk-off home run in the hardest ballpark to hit home runs out of in left field. Okay, but I mean... And he had a three-homer game for the the Norfolk Tides mm -hmm. the other week. And he's, he's always raked at AAA. Now, look, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm not the yeah. biggest Ryan McKenna fan. I don't think he's as big a waste of space as you do. I'd be interested to see what his numbers would be if he got to play for three weeks in a row. Yeah, I mean, I, we saw him play, what, five days in a row or so when Austin Hayes had the had the hand injury. Um, we saw McKenna come up and play every day. Yeah, he got and a frankly, few hits. He got a few hits, but he wasn't great. And, and the, the fact is, to me is that I, I think we've seen what he can be at a, as a major league hitter. And the fact is, is that he's... That's, that's hard to say, man. But he's not, he's he's not going to play every day, ever. He doesn't even have 300 career at-bats. Right, but he's not going to play every day, ever. Let's, let's just keep that in mind, though. Yeah. He, he's he, never well, going to have he, that opportunity. He, he's not going to get the opportunity unless somebody gets hurt and they right. don't think that one of the guys in the minors are, are ready. So they put him out there in, say, Santander and got hit by that pitch in the knee. Yeah. And he was um, out for three weeks, right? They wouldn't call up Newstrom. They might call up Stowers, but they would likely play. Um, they would likely play him in right field every day. Maybe call up DJ Stewart, right to to be a fourth. To be a fourth. <laughs> I, I hope not, but just just for the sake of it, 
and McKenna would get playing time. I, I don't think that McKenna is ever going to be an everyday player. But can he prove to be a valuable fourth outfielder? I think that that is still out there as a possibility. Uh, I'm not willing to write him off completely. I don't think he's an everyday player. I don't think he's part of the Orioles' future outfield. Mm-hmm. But I think he could be a fourth outfielder. And I, th- I think his bat has been better this year. And if he gets the opportunity, I'd like to see what he can do with it. We'll see. Not a big fan, but we'll we'll see. Like like you said, I mean, there's there's not 300 at bats yet for the for the career, and he still has time, and he's gonna have time to prove things. So uh, right. you know, I want to see it. But the the problem is when people say, "Oh, he's um, he just doesn't have the chance to play every day." I'm going, but that's never gonna be his role. That's not what he's here for. He's here to come off the bench. So yeah. if he can't hit off the bench, what's his value, right. right? And that that's my point. And I think that at some point you're gonna have to say, okay, if Robert Newstrom, yeah, the defense lacks in, I mean, by far in comparison to Ryan. McKenna, but if he can hit the ball better and, and, and hit you 250 off the bench, then that's significantly more value than what Ryan McKenna's bringing you. And right. Ryan McKenna has a negative .1 more so far this year and had negative .2 last that's year. because he made a couple of errors in left yeah. field in the outfield that shouldn't have been made. He, he did. And, and that's even more to my point. Someone said, I think it was Eric Arditi, was saying, look, this guy is here because of his defense. Yeah, we he, all said that. Right. But, and that's a fair argument. He's here for his defense, and then he makes a big error. Yeah, right? and, and a couple and, of errors. And an avoidable error. Yeah, and then when, when he came in um, to pinch hit um, and play, and then he played center field because of, they, they uh, put Adley in to catch last Sunday, uh-huh. and he was the DH, so they lost the DH. They put him in center field in yeah. place of Mullins because Mullins was the last out. He did not play that, that ball to center field off the bat of uh, Stanton. He didn't play that well. I right. Stanton. Uh, I can't remember who hit it for the race. It, it, I was thinking of a different game. but uh, I know what you're talking about. He I, didn't play it well. No. He, he barely – he had to have a shoestring catch, and he yeah. misplayed that ball. If he's here for defense – then he needs to be able to play good exactly, defense every right. time out there. Right. Guys, that's going to do it for us here on the Battle Round. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Thank you to our guest, Stan the Fan Charles, for bearing his uh, his illness. and his God, man, he said it's the worst sore throat that mm. he's ever had. And if you've ever had a really bad sore throat, it is miserable. You can't even sleep. That was not part of COVID for me, luckily. I did yeah. not have that that's, symptom. He's got yeah. COVID, and that is the worst that, that's the worst part of it for him is that he's just had this awful sore yeah. throat. He said it hurts every swallow. Wow. Uh, so thanks to him for braving it out and uh, sticking it out and coming on the show with us. And thank you to Jim Callis, who is always a great guest. I can't wait to talk to him again as we get closer to the draft. Uh, until next week, thanks for tuning in, guys. See ya!